Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chainsaws and Claws, a killer monster podcast. I'm Patrick Vicious. I'm Rob the Cinema Drunkie. And today, uh, well, this is actually, it's funny, like the first of our movies I had actually never seen before. Like, um, when Rob suggested it, I was like, basically, I was very me about it, where I was like, yeah, sure. I had no idea what the movie was, but I was like, okay, it works for me. Um, like, if Rob likes it, I'll probably like it. And um, so... I watched Deranged this week uh, for the first time, which I actually found that um, I liked it more than I expected to. Because, um, like, because I, as I said, like, I had never seen it. I had never, I mean, I probably had heard of it, but I didn't really, I had no real conscious idea of it. Um, but, like, of all of the various um, movies that, and it's, it's actually, like, when we were recording this, yesterday was uh, Texas Massacre Day. Yeah, and um, before uh, I ended up watching it with Danny, and like we started watching it, and she was just like, "Isn't this based on a true story?" And I was like, eh. "And she was just like, and there's like, like not really." I was like, "Well, in the sense that like, it's one of the many things where they pulled from Ed Gein, but like they so like they, they, they say it was based on a true story, but really all they took from Ed Gein in Texas Massacre was like basically that Leatherface like to like." make crafts and whatnot of like yeah. graves like that he had robbed like just take of remains um and i was like psycho only kind of really takes um the whole like mother element of ed Gein. Yeah. and i was like this is actually um of the various ed Gein movies um this is probably the most like what i have read of ed Gein. Yeah. Um, so it's like, and I actually did spend it like because when I was younger, um, like later I I like I I have a lot of friends who are, like super into like true crime and shit, and I find that shit like really disturbing. So I usually don't do it. But um, before I learned that, um, when I was a teenager, I used to just read uh, about like all like the big serial killers and stuff, and I, so I've read about Ed Gain. Um, and, um, this movie is actually, like, the closest analog to, like, the Ed Gein stuff. Yeah. So, like, in that respect, I actually liked it a lot. Plus, um, despite the fact that he was never young, um, Robert's Blossom performance is, I think, really entertaining. Like, um, where he plays him, like, very, like, it's, like, there's, like, a silliness to it. There's also, like, a sadness to it. There's also, like, a darkness to it. There's like, a lot going on in his performance that I think is really interesting. Um, plus, I like the fact that the movie is, like, super gross, and, like, which I feel like an Ed Gein movie should be, <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, so it's, like, so, yeah, no, I, I had never seen it, but I did actually, like, I liked it way more than I thought I was going to, based on being something that I only vaguely was aware of before you mentioned it. Yeah, um, I, I was aware of it for a while, um, because it was, uh, in a book, which I, I cannot recall the title to it, but, like, it was, uh, a book about like cult movies like you know midnight movies and all that stuff and that's where i discovered movies like uh carnival of souls and 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 blackula and superfly tnt um and like it, it had it had a section on uh, deranged like well i don't know if it was a section but they, they did talk about deranged so i i knew of it there and like yeah it's uh uh i did not watch uh at the time of this recording uh, yesterday like you said was uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day, and I did not watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was like, "Why not?" It's because I'm watching fucking Deranged. <laughs> 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 and 
say. And to be honest, this is only the second time I've seen it because I've seen it once before uh, years ago on uh, Monsters HD. Um, I missed that channel. Yeah. Um, that was such a rad channel. Uh, that was when I, I saw uh, the the what was it the Incredible Melting Man for the first time on there, um, and and and, and, I, and it had such such great stuff. And, and it showed this, and I was like, oh, this is this this is this is this is fine. And um, I rewatched it uh, again for the purposes of this discussion. I was like, it's still fine, but silly as fuck. But like, I also uh, recognized um, certain things that, that I didn't recognize in the first time with uh, um, uh, Maureen, the the the, the older um, heavyset lady, is the 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 what, what do they call the 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 sorority the mother from uh, Black Christmas? Yep, 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 yep. And this was the same year, so yes, yeah, so I was like, she looks exactly the same, and she sounds exactly the same. So I think it's the same year. Is it like I thought this was seventy four? Yeah, so it was Black Christmas. No, seven, uh, Black Christmas was seventy two. Is, Is it? I believe so. I'm gonna look this up while you talk. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so you know what I'm saying, and of course, uh, Robert's Blossom, um, which which made me think that this movie is a part of the Home Alone universe. Seventy four. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. So I was I was I was incorrect. Um uh so like yeah, th- th- this is definitely within that universe. Um my man Ezra Ezra Cobb and shit, uh, he got away and then he moved into right next door to the McAllisters. And uh, but he's a changed man. He, he's he's a changed <laughs> man. But he's he's still like a scary psychopath, you know what I'm saying? You know. Um, I mean, you could argue the story that Buzz is telling is like a, it's like a, it's like a version of like the path down tale of his character in this movie. Oh yeah, and, and I noticed that uh, like you know Ed Gein, Ezra Cobb, and they call him Ez. You know, saying it's like, yeah, you know, I see what you're doing, movie. Um, <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, it's 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 a fine adaptation of uh, the Ed Gein story. Um, it it is it is hella grody like the his his mother's death scene. I actually like I love his mother's death scene just because like it's um it's actively gross but it's also really funny. It's almost like um Peter Jackson esque where he's yeah. like eating her and then she just starts like vomiting blood and then he keeps like trying to put the blood back into her <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just like it's so fucking it's so gross but it's so fucking hilarious. That I was just like, this is fucking. It's right at the beginning of the movie too, so it's just like, okay, so I'm I'm in good hands. Like, this is gonna be a solid time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the, it's like, like you know, he's he's trying to catch the blood with the spoon. You know what I'm saying? As if it's like her spitting up the soup. You know, because like, she was, and then like she just like you know, it starts coming out of all her orifices. You know, what I'm saying her nose and her mouth, and he's just like, "Mama, mama, like, you know what I'm saying? mama, don't leave." You know, what I'm saying, and, and it's just like, "Oh, this is grody." You know, what I'm saying, but uh, you know, it, it's sad, but like, you know, like just let's just get this back in there. You know, what I'm saying, let's just get this all this blood back in there in, into your mouth, mom. It, it's gonna be fine. You know, and um. Well, also speaking I, of Grody, it's funny because it's like it's got the same thing that like I think every Canadian horror movie of like this era has, where it's like there's this very again like I kind of addressed it when we talked about like um, My Buddy Valentine, um, where it's like this whole 
I don't know. It's like there's like, I don't know if it's just like the like the film that was available in Canada or just like the way that locations were. I don't know. But there's like this weird like sheen of like grit on everything. It's like it's very, it just feels dirty. Like, and it's and not and not like in like a just like in like a, like a um, like for example, the movie that I would say is like very close to this, um, in terms of like the look of it and in terms of like the vibes of it, um, is uh, Maniac. Um, yeah, and like they both have like similar quality, but like there's a weird thing where it's like Maniac feels like greasy, and this feels like dirty like it's just like, yeah. there's like there's like a layer of like dirt on everything whereas like maniac everything feels greasy and weird this just feels like it's gross with a different kind of gross <laughs> that makes any sense and, and, and that's that's a fair comparison because i think maniac was also took some inspiration from the story of ed, ed gein and said there's so many movies that, that took inspiration from from silence of the lambs as well with, with yep. buffalo bill um like like you said, Psycho, and then uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably uh, well. Psycho is probably the most famous, uh, but like just just barely. Um, and then Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then Maniac, and then this. You know what I'm saying? This is probably like the least uh, remembered of the movies that. No, from that's actually not true because um, I always forget they exist, but they actually made like a straight to video Ed Gein movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the least remembered. With, with uh, I remember that one. That's uh that that one saw Steve Rails back. Good thing um, I can't remember. It's been a long. Time. I, I, I remember yeah. it came out. They released it like same time they released like the Dahmer movie and like all that shit. But uh, like that Jerry Redder was in. Yeah. Um, all that shit was like during the period where they were like, we're gonna make like movies. We're gonna be like about real killers. And I'm just like, all right, I guess I'll watch them, but I don't. I don't think this is a this is a good idea. <laughs> like, and spoilers, they weren't. <laughs> right, and, and I think that the Ed Gein movie was directed by the, the, the same guy who directed uh, uh, Henry Two. Possibly. Um, it's like, yeah, let's make a franchise out of Henry. Yeah, and, to this day, I've never seen Henry because I was just like, I. Well, also, I told you like, um, like because I remember like um, when I first uh, watched Henry. It was with my, my my friend Timmy. We watched it, and it was like back when like Netflix was like discs, and like so we watched it, and like uh, we watched a lot of movies together. But like that was the one where when it ended, we did not speak. <laughs> like we both just like walked to my kitchen, put on our shoes. I drove him home in complete silence. I dropped him off. We did not speak until the next day because it was just such a fucking horrifying experience. And then like um. When they were showing it on Joe Bob like a couple of years ago, I was like, I have to mentally prepare to do Henry Pitt. I was like, and I and I really like that movie. Don't get me wrong, but I was just like, I don't know that I can do that again right now. <laughs> like I was like, I need to like have some time to like get my headspace into a place where I'm like, yes, Henry. Whereas my brother was just like, oh yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun time. It was funny. I was like, you need to be in, put into a institution. Like, where we only see you on holidays? That's the only way that you should live for the rest of your life if you thought Henry was a fun time. Yeah, and the the, 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 the thing about Henry, too, I think Henry was, like, the start of, like, them doing, like, those matter-of-fact uh, serial killer-style movies because, like, you have a movie like this where they're obviously taking, excuse me, um, for, from real life 
but uh, it's done in a completely exploitive manner. You know, where exploitation is the name of the game. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, like, Henry started that thing where it's just like, oh, we want to be, like, matter of fact. You know what I'm saying? You know, which was John McNaughton's uh, idea. He just didn't realize he was creating a whole, like, genre of that shit. <laughs> so, like, you know, where we get shit like uh, uh, Ed Gein or, like, Gacy or, like, Dahmer. You know what I'm saying? And shit where they just, they just want to be so true to life, which makes it all the much more fucking disturbing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, like, you, like... Oh, you to know, be fair, became... I remember, they, they, speaking of disturbing and Gacy, I remember, like, when they did, like, um, we used to find WPAX before. I remember there was like a made for D movie with um about Gacy on WPIX when I was a kid. Um with I think Brian Dennehy played him. Yeah. And it was watching this, like it, it took a long time before I could look at Brian Dennehy and not be frightened of him. Like that movie fucked me up when I was a child. <laughs> yeah. No, well, like it was a Brian Dennehy was a fine, fine actor, you know what I'm yes. saying? Uh but uh th- that man specialized in playing pricks. Mm-hmm. Um because like I think my first uh, interaction with Denny was uh, First Blood, where mm-hmm. he's he's the ultimate dick, and then uh, he was uh, like I remember, remember Gladiator with uh, yes. uh, James Marshall and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. And he I, was. A... I always forget that movie exists, but yes, now that you mention it, yes, the Gladiator that is not the Gladiator that you think of, yes. <laughs> right, right. You mentioned Gladiator, it's like oh, I love that movie. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you you're talking about the Russell Crowe one, right? Like, oh yeah, I love that movie. Like, that is not the one I have talked about. <laughs> there was a Gladiator before that. Yes, yes, there was. From from the director of Roadhouse and Striking Distance. <laughs> Wait, that was Rowdy Harrington. Yeah. Holy shit! Fair enough. <laughs> that 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 man had a a, a glorious track record. Uh, Jack's back. Yeah, I was gonna um, say like he had a weird career. <laughs> like, yeah. It was just like Jack's back into like Roadhouse into like fucking striking. Di- like, he had a weird fucking career. Yeah, like although yeah. to be fair, I don't know that a guy named Rowdy is getting like fucking like indie opportunities. <laughs> like I don't necessarily think that he's getting offered things that aren't horror or action movies. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, like you know, like Henry like literally started that. You know what I'm saying? It was like and it's continuing on to this day and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I love Henry, and uh, I, I would love to cover it on the show. But uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do, I do like the movie. I just need to, like mentally prepare to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Uh, I, I never forget the, the first time I showed it to my girlfriend at the time when I was, uh, uh, and she was just appalled by it. Like particularly the ending. You know, I was like, I know he didn't just. I was like, Yep. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yes, he <laughs> because did. he, because he could not <laughs> fucking help himself. You know what I'm saying? And, um, but yeah, like, you know, you know, contrast that with, with, with this, where it's just like, they, they're obviously going for more over the top aspects, even though it's more closer to life than any other movies that took inspiration from the, the, the real life story of Ed Gein, you know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, this one is almost like, like a fucking comedy and shit. Like when he's digging up, uh. Like the like the, the first woman they show him digging up, which is a, his old school teacher, and, and you know he's singing to her in the fucking truck as he takes her back to the house. You know what I'm saying? It's just like you know, like they they obviously didn't intend this to be like, oh yeah, we're 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 telling the story of Ed Gein, but not really. So we could do whatever the fuck we want, and they decided to be funny about it. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of this shit is funny. I like. Whether a lot of it was intentional or not, I don't know. But I uh, think it was. Like, I, like, and that thing is, I feel like 
that's actually the smarter way to go in terms of like uh, I, mean, I guess it depends what you're going for um because like because like to, 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 to compare it and contrast it with like um like texas chainsaw it's like texas chainsaw is um was definitely toby trying by all accounts trying to inject humor that nobody saw because they were so yeah. fucking disturbed by the movie and then like this i feel like they were very clearly trying to ins- insert humor and it works because like totally the movie never it, it by the end it kind of goes into like full-blown like horror mode oh yeah but, like before that it's kind of it's it's kind of half and half Whereas, like, Tex Chainsaw, it's, like, it's very much, like, by the time it's trying to be funny, it has already <laughs> disturbed you to your very core. So you're not really in the mood to laugh. <laughs> it's just, like, it's like no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, you know, comedy, Toby. Like, that, that's fine. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can keep that to yourself, buddy. Like, it's just, like, now's the time. <laughs> I know, like, we discussed that when we talked it, where it's just, like, you know, uh, how... Everyone else, when they when they do a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, they go for full on horror. But like when Toby did two, and Kim Henku did Next Generation, like they went for full blown comedy because it's like you guys didn't get it. Like that was supposed to be funny. It was like yeah, nobody was laughing at that shit. It's just that <laughs> to- Toby excelled too well in the horror department that no one like all the funny moments that were in there. I mean, granted. And this 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 actually works out because uh, you know uh, it, it coincides with this movie as well. Um, when I went to see the I think the 40th anniversary screening of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, people were dying laughing in, in the in the film, and it's like obviously we we've seen it enough times where we actually noticed the comedy this time. Oh yeah, I got. Like, Last night with Danny, like I was laughing at certain parts, and I don't think that she was like, and that she was just like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> like, it was just like, but I was like, "No, now I see the comedy." Like with the first time you're watching it, it's deeply upsetting. <laughs> the, the first like five times you watch it, it's deeply upsetting. As yeah. time goes on, then you can start to see what Toby was doing, where he was just like, "No, this is fucking hilarious." <laughs> like, I, like you know, it's like, uh, "Look what your brother did to the door." You know what I'm saying? And then he's questioning Leatherface. Did anyone get away? <laughs> you sure? <laughs> you damn fool. You ruined the door. You know what I'm saying? That shit is hilarious. You know or like the end like with the grandpa. Like they're trying to like bash. Like they're trying to keep put the, the, the hammer in his hand. And it's yeah. falling out. And it's just like. So he's like starts like trying to help him and everything. It's fucking hilarious. But it's not that you like think it's funny at the time. Because it's just like you're just so upset by it. And it's just like. But it's like as, as time goes on. Especially like. Because like this was the same year as 16 and saw. Yeah. So it's like. It's funny <laughs> and I, to like compare and contrast these. And, like, and then that brings up a great point, like, you know, because it comes back to, to that screening of Texas Chase on Massacre. So that screening was actually presented by Joe Bob. Okay. He, yeah. he, he was there in person, you know, so, so like it was a packed house, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it was so um, like packed that they, they had to create a second screening of it. And then like he, he stood there for like half an hour and, and talking to us before the movie and then had to leave to go into the next theater presented for another audience because there were so many people wanting to see him present Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's like, how could you not? It's Joe Bob. But um, there, there, there was a, a discrepancy in his appearance 
you know what I'm saying? We're all there. We're all excited. It's fucking Joe Bob, the legend. And someone asked about Deranged. Uh, and, like, you know, brought up the fact that, you know, both movies are based on, you know, inspired essentially by the story of Ed Gein. He's, and he noted that uh, they came out the same year. And, like, you know, he was like, you know, he wasn't sure which one came first. So he asked Joe Bob. And Joe Bob was like, no, uh, I think this one was first because uh, Deranged came out in the 80s. And it was just like that the moment of, like, okay, Joe Bob is fucking wrong here, but he's such a legend. How the fuck do we correct the legend so nobody said anything? <laughs> nobody was like, well, actually, to Joe Bob, even though we're... Like, you can, you can get the sense of the audience just like, who, who wants to tell him? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> nobody. Nobody wants to tell Joe Bob he's fucking wrong. Like, even the guy... I, I was sitting there just looking, and I look back at the guy, and you could see, like, in his face, he's just like, oh, okay. You know, so he just sat there and accepted it because it's like he doesn't want to be the one to say you're fucking wrong. Joe I Bob mean, to Brink. be fair, it might not have come out in America until the '80s. I have no fucking idea. Like, it's like I, because I generally, as I said, I didn't even know this movie really existed, other than like I'd heard the name um, until the other night, or I, I didn't know it existed really until you like mentioned it as an idea for like a pairing, and I did never seen it until the other night. So I was like, I genuinely don't, I don't know. It, for where, for all I fucking know, it wouldn't even have. It might not have been distribution over here at that point, even though we're very close to Canada. But like, who the fuck knows? I have no idea. Yeah, um, that, that may be the case. And like, you know, considering it's it's hard because you know, obviously, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is such an iconic piece of cinema. You know what I'm saying? Not just horror, cinema in general. Like everybody fucking knows Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know what I'm saying? But looking it up, Deranged actually came out first. It came out in February of 74 and Texas Chainsaw Massacre in October of 74. And I'm saying, uh, but like, yeah, I just found it hilarious that nobody <laughs> wanted to tell Joe Paul that. <laughs> like, I mean, like, obviously, you know, it's disrespectful to correct the legend, but like the legend was fucking wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, shit happens, you know what I'm saying? Not everyone's it's like, you know, he's getting older and shit, not as sharp as he used to be. You know what I'm saying? He so really likes stars. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. um, like, yeah, like, but, uh, the, the, that, that was, that was, other than that, it, it was, it was a great experience, you know what I'm saying? Sit there and be in close proximity to Joe Bob and all that shit. But, um, I just found that funny that, you know, like, it, it he 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 was confused about the release and Shin said this came out in the 80s and Shin was like obviously you haven't seen this movie in a while Joe Bob because this is obviously not an 80s picture this well, is very to be fair, it's like it's kind of like the whole thing I remember um our our our, our great friend Mike Scott where he's talking about um like basically how like uh the, like the Midwest like Utah and everything is like um however many years behind um like the like pop culture um it's entirely possible that, like, you could interpret that, like, they, like, even, like, let's say it was released, whatever, but I was like, since it's Canadian, you never know quite when it takes place. <laughs> like, it's just, like, it's, like, until, like, recent times with, like, Degrassi and shit, you know, there, there was always a very specific quality of Canadian cinema, where it's just, like, I don't know what year this takes place in. Is it modern day? Is it the 60s? Has Canada evolved? I don't know what's happening anymore. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, but it, it's... When, when it, it, and it's weird, too, because, like, as we stated, 
that this is up until Ed Gein is is the closest uh, representation of the Ed Gein story, you know, where it actually tries to do it a bit of justice, where it's like everything else um, that was inspired by Psycho, Texas Chainsaw, uh, Silence of the Lambs, um, just took certain elements and then just did their own thing. And they're more famous as being, in, you know, based on Ed Gein than the film that actually closely follows the Ed Gein story. And, like, even the, the, the film that is called Ed Gein, which is, like, you know, that's the based on a true story shit. Remember it even less. Nobody fucking remembers that movie. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, it's just, a, it's just a weird how that happens and shit, you know. Like, Psycho has, you know, the, the, the mummified mother, um, Texas Chainsaw has like you know the removal of faces and uh, so does uh, Silence. You know what I'm saying? But that's like you know, oh yeah, this is based on Ed Gein. This is based on Ed Gein. I was like, well, this is based on Ed Gein. What the fuck is that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What the fuck is Deranged? I've, I've never heard of this. Yeah. You know like, no, yeah. Again, it had been kind of. That's why I do think it's kind of like I don't know. Um, like if there's any kind of like proper release for anything, but I was just like, I think this would be like a really good thing to like have like terror vision and like vinegar syndrome or something like bring back because like it's really it's it's, 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 it's like it's like it's really fucking entertaining way more than I thought it was gonna be and like I think like legitimately like, across the board like it does something uh, like I feel like a lot of other because I like, I think because um like Robert's Blossom his performance is so good that you don't like you 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 definitely do sympathize with him even when there are more sympathetic characters like um like when he like hypothetically like like, like at the end like when he like um like brings the girl home yeah <laughs> and like theoretically you should be like sympathizing with her but you're not really because his performance is so like endearing and there's like a sweetness to that. Like, I mean, but to be fair, I mean that's most people sort of Ed Gein was that he was like like his neighbors and stuff. Or like he was like super nice and sweet and like nobody knew like what he was doing. And that's why like him being like one of the famous serial killers. He only killed like three people, which I'm not saying isn't horrible, but it's like it's not a lot of like compared to like fucking like Richard Ramirez or something. Like it's not that many. Um, but like uh, or like fucking John Wayne Gacy for that matter. Um, but like. Um, there is like this quality to it that makes, I think, it stand out in that like cutting is like I think in Texas Chainsaw, they definitely like Leatherface is sympathetic, just by like he's not sympathetic at first <laughs> because when you're introduced to him, it's just he's just like a fucking monster. Like he's basically just like like there's like the, the first time you see him is like coming behind the door and then killing and this whang. Um, but it's like once you see his like family dynamic, he becomes sympathetic, and yeah. like uh, Norman Bates is very sympathetic, um, obviously. Um, but the whole thing with Robert Blossom is that like his character is weirdly, in a lot of ways, like I don't know, it's almost like the least anti-hero of all of them, or at least he feels the least anti-hero of all of them, yeah. because like all of them, you're like. I guess because you you're more like I, I mean I guess you're more like um 
on the side of the victims in those movies than you are on the side of the uh, the killer. Whereas this, it's the exact opposite. Um, where basically, like, you are put in the shoes, essentially, of um, Mars Blossom. And, but I think that, that actually makes it interesting, and I think makes it kind of sit alongside those movies pretty well. Is just mm. that, like, he's a really, like, I don't know. It's like, he's, he, it's not to say he's not, like, monstrous, per se, but, like, it's to say, like, he's, like, he's literally very obviously just not well. <laughs> like, he's just not mentally well, and not, like, in a way where it's just, like, like, Leatherface, like, clearly isn't, but he's also, like, mentally handicapped. Yeah. And then, like, um... Norman Bates clearly isn't, but he's also, like, had a psychotic break. It's like, the, when you're introduced to Robert Blossom's character, you fucking, from the jump, it's very clear that there's something wrong with this dude. But it's also, I said, like, there's like, this weird sweetness to him that makes you not care. And that's what yeah. I think is really interesting about his performance, interesting about the movie is it like, he's never, it's like a slasher, but it's a slasher where like, you're never, you're, you're never on against the slasher. Like you're, you're always on the side of the slasher. You're never on the side of the victims. And I think that's really fascinating. And I feel like that's why it's weird this movie has kind of been kind of cast aside. Um, because I think that's actually a really interesting way to present a slasher movie, especially the times before slasher movies really existed. Like, cause like, Arguably, 74 is kind of the birth of slashers in a lot of ways, because it's like the same year, it's Texas Chainsaw, this, and Black Christmas. Yeah. And like, yeah, the, the, the boom started with uh, Halloween in 78. But like, this is, I would say, fairly and arguably kind of like the ground zero of it. Yeah. And like, I think this is actually a really interesting way to present that, because also it's very different than the way those other two films present their killers. Because like, um, in Texting Saw, obviously, as I just said, like, it's just, like, they're all... The only real sympathy you have for them is that, like, they're basically in the middle of nowhere doing what they can to, like, survive. Granted, like, you don't technically know... It's not until, like... It's kind of, in, it's kind of the same way that, like, the Hills of Eyes uh, remake is, but, like, it's less clearly stated. Um... Like, because you could interpret them as just being psychopaths, or you can interpret it as them being just, like, they're desperate. Yeah. Um, but then, like, um, in the case of, like, Black Christmas, like, you are never once, for a single second, like, put in a position to identify with or to sympathize with the killer. Like, it's only presented as something that you should be really fucking scared of. Like, from beginning to end. And that's why the ending is the scariest part. Because it's just, like, you just... You don't know what the fuck happened, but you know he's still out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, like, I, I always find it, uh... Um... Because... Because... To me... Uh, to point out that Ed Gein was probably, like, the first... Uh, and this is just, like, a weird thing to say. The first celebrity... Uh, kind of like figure like that, you know. what I'm saying that now, you look at it and you know, mass murderers, serial killers, and all that stuff. They become almost like 
nationwide celebrities almost like you know, when they're caught, you know what I'm saying? Uh, look at the the reaction to uh, the the Dahmer Netflix series. You know what I'm yes. saying? You know where where you had people like, oh, you know what I'm saying? That that, that Dahmer, he's, this is what a guy. You know what I'm saying? And then women like, oh man, I wish I could have been with him. And it's like that really drove me fucking insane. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I was I remember that that was the whole thing was that like um, I remember uh, Terrifier came out um like at the uh, end of like, beginning of October, and um, when they make the reference to like um, the kid wanting to dress up as uh, Art the Clown. And he was like, you wouldn't dress up like Jeffrey Dahmer. And I was like, listen to her. Like, I was like, if I see one of you motherfuckers dressed up as Jeffrey Dahmer, I'm going to start swinging. I'm just saying. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just a fucking weird thing. Like, you know, uh, to, to kind of, you know, uh, be a, be a, a, uh, a fan of, you know what I'm saying? It's just, you're a fan of serial killers. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, their their stories and situations can be fairly interesting like you know what i'm saying from you know if if you're into that sort of thing but like you know people were just sitting there just like oh uh, yeah you know this is this is great you know what i'm saying it's like you know oh, that that poor boy you know it's like it's, it's it's like uh something that uh, uh will graham uh said in uh, uh well uh william peterson as will graham in uh manhunter you know what I'm saying? Which is basically like it uh, encapsulates everything about Ed Gein and like certain serial killers where it's just like, you know, he says, as a child, I weep for him. So, so, so someone took a kid and, and turned him into a monster. He says, as an adult, he's irredeemable. As an adult, someone should blow the sick fuck out of his socks. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, that that that, that that's essentially it with Ed Gein. You know what I'm saying? Because like the, the, that's one thing that comes across of all inspiration from 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 his story and, and adaptations of his story is that he he was a child that was just like raised by his mother who was like overbearing and basically psychologically ruined him to the point where it's just like when, when she was gone he, he he could not live without her which is why he lived with her corpse and all that shit and then started digging up other corpses and shit and uh was would dress up in their skin and dance in the moonlight and like he would make his own concoctions. Uh, I remember hearing that uh, he had like a belt made out of nipples. Yep. Um, he had like vivisected corpses, the hanging, and when, when they found him, and, and then like the, and the most disturbing thing is like when you see pictures of his capture, and he, he just like you know, he's just like yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like he went quietly. He didn't fight. You know what I'm saying? He was just like, you know, eh, I guess I'm going to jail and shit. And you see him, he's kind of got like a little smirk on his face, like mm-hmm, you know, shit happens. <laughs> You know, and like, yeah, that is that is the face of a psychopath. You know what I'm saying? Well, also, I think he was also like, I mean, from what I've read, he was also, if not like, he definitely was mentally handicapped. I don't know exactly how strongly mentally handicapped he was, but he definitely wasn't like, he he was he was at least slow. <laughs> I, I I guess that that uh, suffices. You know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, a, a term and shit, but you know, there's that there's that thing, you know, what I'm saying where it's just like, um, that 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 just went so uh, misunderstood for for decades, you know, what I'm saying it's just like the mental health of like certain people is like, you know, oh, they're just crazy evil, like you know, some of them can't determine right from wrong, you know, what I'm saying, and obviously, 
a lot of them, like like Edgine, were in situations where, like you know, they, they they were most likely mentally handicapped, and then but they were in the care of a person who just was a fucking monster in themselves and shit, and they created a monster in themselves. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like it's like and, and stories like that proceed to this day, like not just in real life but in movies as well, because you can see that uh, in uh, Halloween Ends. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? With, with Corey and his, his mother, you know what I'm saying? The town folks and shit, with whatever they do to him. It's like, you know, was he always this way or did we, we, we create him? You know what I'm saying? And, uh, like, uh, it, it was easy to just point the finger and say, no, he, he's evil. You know what I'm saying? He's a monster. You know, and, but, like, somebody would have just taken the time to, like, you know, understand exactly what was going on with this person. Like, they may have been able to help. But, you know, people were just so, you know, no, no one wants to accept blame for their own failures. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just easily like you know. Well, it's not my fault. It's it's like it's when like we talked about this before all the time. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, like a national tragedy happens. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like you know a shooting in a school and they'll blame like the movies or video games or music because it's so easy to just like you know, it's a you know you may have failed as a parent, but it's like oh it was my fault. It was it was their fault. If they hadn't made that music or made that movie or made that video game, my kid would be alright. Well, what the fuck were you doing letting them watch it? You know what I'm saying? If your kid was obviously unstable enough that watching a movie or listening to a song or playing a video game would turn them into a fucking murderer. Yeah. You didn't pay enough attention to your child that you missed that, but it's the makers of the art who's at fault here. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And it's just it's the thing that you know since it's a black eye on society and you know what I'm saying and I mean America has countless fucking black eyes on it let's let's just be fucking clear but like that's one major one where it's just like you know the the, the misunderstanding and you know just ignorance about uh, the importance of mental health that nobody takes seriously and like you know things happen is just because people are just so wrapped up in their own lives they don't want to take a moment. To focus on someone else who may be of need and may need like, you know, like, you know, trip to, you know, have a diagnosis here. Like, oh, something may be mentally wrong with this person. Like, you know, they may mentally handicapped, incapacitated, you know, and not mentally there enough to make these thoughts. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, you know, to establish right from wrong, you know. And then they're just out in the world existing, you know what I'm saying, with nobody helping them. And, and then like, you know. They, they do these things, and then it's just like, oh, you know, especially back then, it was, oh, evil, evil person. Well, how, how the fuck you know? You never got to, took the time out to actually talk to this person. You know what I'm saying? If you would have, maybe you would have seen there was something wrong with him. But, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I, say, I can't even say that, uh, you know, uh, that was a back-in-the-day thing because it still happens to this day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just like it, it, there's a lot of people more aware of that, but not enough. Which is why, like, you know, things happen. They'll send the fucking police to deal with it. And, you know what I'm saying? The police obviously don't give a fuck. They just look and fucking do their thing. You know what I'm saying? You know, either perform an arrest or hopefully shoot somebody. With They, they fucking, you know, I want to kill somebody today because I'm a fucking psychopath myself. Except the difference with me is I'm legally able to do it because I have a badge because I'm a piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, like... You know, we've been saying for a long time, like, you know, uh, law enforcement should have be made to like should, one of the requirements should be like they should have like at least some form of understanding of mental health issues, you know, or at least send someone like, you know, 
um, like like a social worker at least. Well, I think it's funny is like a part of my job. Um, I had to like watch a video once. Um, I'm like basically it was like it was for like cops that we had to watch it too because like it was like in the social work, and um, I was aghast watching because basically the entire fucking video um, is basically like this woman telling cops basically pretend you're not a sociopath like and i'm just like does no one besides me think this is fucked up like it's just like basically it's just like it's just like because that's a bad that thing is like i, I get that's the whole thing that i remember like um james cameron talked about with um the whole thing of why the t-1000 was a cop was because he was like the whole idea of the dehumanization you have to do to be able to do that job mm. and i was like so it's like i get it but holy shit does no one else find that fucked up because i find that incredibly fucked up Oh, it's it is it incredibly fucked up, you know. But you know, this is this is this is we live in a society. It's <laughs> <laughs> like you know, where uh, uh, where you know, the, the the mentally incapacitated are demonized. You know, what I'm saying, and no one gives a fuck to to, to identify that. You know, however, you know, what I'm saying is this. You can you can sympathize, but then it's also like what they what they do is like Will Graham says in Manhunter is irredeemable. So it's like, uh, you know, you could try to fucking uh, rehabilitate them as best you can and shit, but some some people are just so far gone by that point. It's like you know, they 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 they're just lost, and so it's just uh, chalk another one up to being lost in the system. You know what I'm saying? But that's America for you. But anyways. Uh, I mean, I will say also the thing I thought was interesting because I had never seen the movie before is um production design um, is really good. I think for me, the movie was made for no fucking money. Like, oh, yeah. it's like it all feels like pretty real. Like it all like definitely as I said, like it has that sheen of like dirtiness to it. But like all of it, all of like the props and everything and like the like whatever, like it all looks like real enough like it's like so it's like i definitely have no problem like suspending my disbelief watching it um and watching like robbers blossom like interact with it um which i think is cool um again like this is like i i definitely don't, I'm, like, I'm not saying like this is like some sort of like loss like classic or anything but i was like i definitely think it like it's weird that like it's been kind of so forgotten then since yeah. they said that i didn't even know it existed because like or barely knew it existed because like it's there's definitely a lot of fucking redeeming qualities to this. Like it's definitely not the best version of this story because obviously like we've already mentioned like fucking like yeah like if you want to see the Ed Gein story, watch Text Chainsaw, watch Psycho, watch I guess Silence of the Lambs. Like well, like there's there's definitely there's better options than Derange. Is all I'm saying. But having said that, like if you asked me, like, oh, hey, should I watch Derange? I'd be like, fuck yeah, you should watch Derange. Like, I was just like, I was just like, there's this, there's a vibe to it that is, like, unlike most movies. I mean, even since. Like, as I said, like, that's thing that's kind of cool looking back now on, like, 74 and, like, kind of the birth of slashers is, like, it was kind of like what I've been saying recently um, with, like, the era of horror we're in now where it's, like, not... Um, like the it's like the it's like we're like it's like there's like a volcano blew up and like lava is like everywhere around us but it hasn't hardened yet so it's like we don't know like there's no there's no like specific trend to point to as far as like 
what we're dealing with now in terms of horror. Um, we're kind of getting everything, which is amazing. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's the thing I love. You can get like in the same year, you can have like Terrifier two and Smile, which are vastly different films, yeah. um, and like Bones and all, and Nope, and like just all this shit is very like vastly different, but also all falls under the same umbrella. Yeah. I think it's really cool. But like looking back on like uh, like the '74 stuff, it's cool because it's just like you're kind of able to see kind of the birth of it because it's like. By the time you get into the 80s, like, as we, like, kind of established, like, things, like, the magma has long since cooled, and there is very much, like, a very specific structure of everything that was coming out. Yeah. And, like, this was, like, kind of where like, you could have Black Christmas, Texas Chainsaw, and, uh, and this all come out in, like, succession, and all of them be very different, but all of them kind of flying the same flag like, under the same banner i think it's, i don't know i just think it's really interesting like, it's, yeah. like there was this time that existed that kind of isn't recognized no yeah yeah yeah. it's like you know you were mentioning uh terrify 2 and smile but like uh the, in, in comparison to, to 74 which had deranged in texas chainsaw and black christmas like you could look at uh the release of Terrify 2 and Halloween Ends coming out in the same month with, like, they're essentially flying the same flag. You know, they're both yeah. slasher films, but they're both doing totally different things where um, Terrify 2 is just basically a celebratory, you know, look at, you know, what we all love about slashers, like, you know, in the prim uh, primal sense, you know, blood and gore and just, you know what I'm saying? Whereas... Uh, Halloween ends took a psychological look at it, you know, saying, you know, took it from that perspective, which I really appreciate because it shows that someone was looking at the, the slasher genre from, you know, the, the eyes other than like, like, oh, yeah, we need this guy to just go around stabbing people. No, like, you know, let's 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 try to understand why uh, without trying to make it like, you know, because that's always been a big problem with the Halloween movies. They always try to give you the why of Michael when that's just unnecessary. And, you know, I'm saying that's what I loved. Uh, a lot of what I loved about Halloween ends was that David Gordon Green is doing that, but he's not doing that with Michael. He's giving us the why, but he's doing it with a different character because, you know, there is no why to Michael at this point. It doesn't matter. But, like, if we could take a look at, you know, the why from another character, maybe we could understand Michael in general, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, you, you have two movies that are basically in the same genre, but doing completely different things, you know what I'm saying? It shows, you know, because cause slasher genre is definitely the the, the, the one section of, of horror that's probably looked down upon the most, you know what I'm saying? Where it's just, like, disregarded as just filth and disgusting. And it's like, well, you know, if you if you look at it from a certain context, it could be, but it also could be you know a, a really exciting and really intriguing genre. Like when you have filmmakers, you know, take a step back and just taking a look at it and such. You know what I'm saying? But like both iterations of, of the genre are fine. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's really nothing wrong with either doing that. There's nothing wrong with Terrifier Two, and there's nothing wrong with Halloween Ends. You know what I'm saying? It's just you know they're both doing the same thing, but they're just doing it from a different perspective. And I, I, I think that's fucking rad. That you know something that could have been considered to have a short shelf life. You know what I'm saying? Who the fuck wants to see people, someone stabbing people for ninety minutes? 
You know what I'm saying? And I know that's what critics were like and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, Cisco and Eber very much were against the slash genre. <laughs> and I can't even imagine shit what they must be thinking. Like, this shit is still going on to this day. <laughs> and, and, and it's, still... it's fine. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> to, that, to that end, to your point, um, the slasher genre outlived them. And it very yeah. well could outlive us. Like, it's just like, it's, it very well could just keep going on and on and on because it plays into... I remember that was the thing. Is like, um, I feel like it was Wes's birthday recently. Like, Wes Craven... Yeah. And like somebody had posted um, the whole thing of like, um, like, why does everybody want to go to a scary movie? Because like, we all have the fucking fears inside of us. It just helps us exercise those fears. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing is like, so it's like, no matter what, I mean, and you don't necessarily have to be into like, because it's like, I know like, um, there's some people who do like horror, but don't like slashers. And like, I'm not saying that you're wrong. Like, it's just like, I just, I just, I don't agree, but I don't think that you're wrong. Like, everybody has like their own like, preferences um but i think that within the context like, i think the reason that like slashers still fucking keep going is just by virtue of the fact that like it's something that you can really do whatever you want with like it's like because they really break it all the way down um like you can call like psycho the first slasher it's like that shows you that you can make an actual masterpiece of cinema that is also a slasher film Right. And, like, I would argue Halloween is as well, but, like, even if you don't think Halloween is, I don't know anyone who wouldn't say that Psycho is. So it's, like, there's definitely evidence, no matter how the fuck you feel about slasher movies, that it's possible to do a great film. It's also possible to do absolute shit. Like, nobody's disputing that. Like, there is truly god-awful slasher films. There's truly god-awful slasher films that I still love. Like, that's definitely a thing that also exists. But there's a lot of room for, like, movement and nuance and, like, whatever. But, like, I do think that thing that kind of, like, I think about slashers in general is, like, it's so versatile. And, like, that thing is, like, looking back at 74, it kind of makes sense because you had things that were very different but all kind of raised the same flag. No, yeah, and, and that's that's why I wanted to bring up Terrify 2 and Halloween Ends because, you know what I'm saying, it's, like, like decades later and we'll still be able to be you know, diverse with the, the slasher genre. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, you know, there's still people willing to, you know, do so. I mean, obviously it was different in 74 because, you know, nobody knew what the fuck the slasher genre was by that time. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's why it was, like, so different from each other. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like they're doing they're doing something, but they don't realize what they're doing. They're, they're sowing the seeds for what will become its own uh, subgenre. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But the the fact that decades later, like, you know what I'm saying, four decades later, and, uh, well, uh, essentially five decades later. Yeah, I was just saying, because this was, <laughs> yeah, so it was like, yeah. this is 74, so like, it's only, like, two, two years. Yeah, from being, like, like, yeah. No, one year, sorry, from being five decades later. Yeah, but, and we could still be diverse. Like, we, we have a clear understanding of what the genre is, but we could still be different, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm fly the same flag but you know what i'm saying it's like you're on a different side of the field and they're on a different side of the field but you know it's all like you know it's just like you know uh being in a crowd and shit you know what i'm saying of everyone like you know you got your you got your flag and someone else on the other side got the same flag and it's just like yeah notice each other and just salute to you bro like all the way from the other side of the crowd and shit you know, and, and that's why I love it because you know the slasher genre could be whatever you want it to be. I mean, there, there there was sections where, um, it became real systematic. You know what I'm saying? Where 
like almost like obviously in the 80s where it just became an assembly line of like oh like this movie made money we want to do with that you know what i'm saying it's just like copying all that stuff but the fact that you know it, it we've come so far and that you know we're still doing slash movies and it you know it could be whatever you want it to be and like there are filmmakers who are out there just you know looking at it you know what i'm saying you could get your traditional slasher and terrify too which obviously everyone preferred. Um, I don't know if that's true. I mean, like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people love Terrifier too, but I feel like there are people who didn't, and I feel like there's a lot of people who like Halloween Ends, and there's a lot of people who didn't. Like, it's just like I think that, that again, I think I think it's also interesting about like last year, where it's like again, it was it was like there was kind of like something for everybody. Yeah. Like, because um, I said, like, there, I do have people who probably don't want to see like fucking either movie. Like, I guarantee you, there are people who don't want to see either movie, but will, but probably either if they didn't see. Um, bones and all, or nope, they would want to. Like, I, if you like, if you told them what it was. Well, yeah. so it's like I definitely think that like it's it's not, I, I I don't know that there's anything last year that was like preferred per se. It's like you know what I'm saying. Like it's like I feel like yeah, a lot of people love Terrifier too, but a lot of people like you didn't love Terrifier too. Um, and like um, you love Halloween it. ends. I there's a lot of people it. who don't care about Halloween ends. There's a lot of people who make fun of Halloween ends, and that's I mean like, it just it is what it is. Like it just like. There, there, there's, it's been, it's been, it's always going to be almost a year, and there's still people shitting on Halloween ends. Oh, dude, how, it took, it, there was like a fucking year of fucking idea with Halloween Kills bullshit. So like, which still comes up once in a while. Yeah, um, I think people are still shitting on uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw, the the Netflix one. Yeah. Uh, there's still people shitting. Well, I feel on- like enough people. I don't know. Maybe it's just the the, the circles I run with uh, on socials, but like, I feel like a lot of people actually do like that. So like, I remember like the date came out. Like, a lot of people were, like, shitting on it. But I feel like the people that like it still talk about it, and the people that don't just don't, which I'm like, this is fine. <laughs> like, like, like I, I feel like it's, I'm not going to say much because we definitely want to talk about that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think there's just a, a misunderstanding of, of that film with why people don't like it because they just... And, and I hate to say that, you know what I'm saying? I hate to be the one to say, like, oh, they didn't get it, but uh, they didn't get it. <laughs> All right, and now we're on to our second feature, which was the reason I uh, I did this uh, pairing anyway. I put it together because I just really wanted to talk about this movie. I mean, we we had a, a, a lot of good things to say about Deranged, um, but really, I just wanted to talk about this one, and that's uh, 1979's Phantasm, uh, written and directed by Don Coscarelli. Um, if you follow me on Twitter uh, at the Cine Junkie, you will see that uh, I uh, recently posted a, a list of uh, the most important horror films to me. Um, and for that matter, I also did that at LA Crew because Rob was like in our Discord, was like, "Y'all should do it too," and I was like, "God damn it, fine!" And like, so like I did it, and like I'm actually kind of proud of it. But yes, go ahead. Um, I don't know if if I remember correctly, it was Larry who said like, "Oh, we should do this too." Or was it Larry or Andy? I just gotta look at it, and I was like, "Yeah, you should." And and that's when you were like, "God damn it, fine." <laughs> and then, and then, and then Mike did it as well, yeah. and then uh, Lindsay did it, uh, which I thought was was rad that that, that all you guys participated. I, it wasn't really me looking to like you know to, to start a whole thing posting that, but 
Uh, it, it was really fucking rad that y'all y'all did it. Um, but uh, it, I, mean, I followed you on the threads. I at the very least I can do is make a list on Letterbox. <laughs> and um, if you've seen it, you know that it is not a ranking of films, yeah. but it's essentially the a chronological look at the the the, the films that uh made me a horror fan and the films that kept me a horror fan like you know because basically the the last line of movies the last four because there's 16 movies on it the last four are the films that rejuvenated my love for the horror you know what i'm saying because sometimes you know my love of horror will wane um and i just like you know there, there's nothing really you know just you know sticking to me uh and you know the last four like the movies that did that like you know to uh, wrong turn probably being the most important one because it not only uh, revitalized my my love for the for the genre but for movies in general because I really kind of fallen out of love with them by that point I was into other things you know what I'm saying and into most people would call that hoodlum shit uh, <laughs> um uh but uh at the top <laughs> just like it's like the, the PSA like it's just like wrong turn kept me on the right path in life thanks rob schmidt and eliza dushku <laughs> yeah uh um uh, and alan b McElroy. yes and jeremy sisto <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know jeremy sisto for you <laughs> um but if if uh, in the top like those are the movies that like you know uh, like really important to me. I mean, that whole list is important to me. All those movies are important to me. But like you know, uh, number five on that list is uh, Phantasm, which uh, is a film that is a uh, very, very, very important to like you know my development as a horror nerd per se. Because um, like it, like the, the the first horror film that I, I really liked was Child's Play, and then it went to The Gate. And then uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then um, what was it after that? But you know, it's not not important not to mention because Phantasm is um, Phantasm. Uh, I have a weird uh, relationship with Phantasm. I mean, I've always loved it, but what happened was that I don't know why I became fascinated with seeing Phantasm or like being obsessed with it. I mean, I know why I became obsessed with it, but like obsessed with seeing it. But um, I I just I can't remember why, but I just wanted to see it. I just wanted to see this movie badly, and then I saw that we had it on tape, and then I watched it, and I realized we did not have it on tape. Uh, the the full length feature, we only had the last thirty minutes of it because my father decided to record over with License to Kill. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not as mad at him as I am when he recorded over Back to the Future for High Spirits. Um, <laughs> Which is why I fucking hate high spirits. Um, it, it, it's a it's a piece of shit comedy, but I hate it because you recorded over Back to the Future for that, you know. And, and his and and his excuses uh, they were my tapes, and I could do whatever the fuck I want with them. Um, and I was like, yeah, but Back to the Future, you know, all time great movie classic, and you decided, nah, I'd rather have high spirits. <laughs> This piece of shit ghost <laughs> comedy starring Steve Gutenberg and, and Daryl Hannah. No, nobody gives a fuck about high spirits. I mean, to be fair to your dad, um, at the time that Back to the Future was released, I mean, he was probably just like, there was no way of him knowing it would be like this all-time classic. It was just like, 
oh, this is a great comedy. Like, whatever. And it's like, oh, this is the new great comedy. I'm going to tape over this. And I'm like, he had no way of knowing. Maybe he didn't know that High Spirits was going to be, like, you know, kind of shitty. Who can say? I mean, be nice. Be nice to your dad. He's trying his best. Uh, like, well, you know, like, well, as, I, as I stated before, oh, uh, number four was Alien 3. Um, uh, Pop would just record shit off the TV and, like, uh, you know, a lot of the reasons that, you know, we have the pairings we did on those tapes is because he just needed a tape and just grabbed whatever was there and just recorded. Like, that's how we got uh, Halloween and Pinocchio on the same fucking tape. And, like, how we got uh, Cobra and Beverly Hills Cop 2 on the same tape as the Monster Squad, which is, which is a rad fucking... A rat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, like, you know, I, I was a child, wanted to watch a child movie, and I got to go through these fucking very rated R action films in, in order to get to the child feature that's more appropriate for me, you know what I'm saying, in my age. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... It, 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 Pop is the reason why I, I I watch certain films that you know I was way too young to have been watching. Same, you know. like my dad, like the reason I saw like RoboCop and like stuff when I was a kid was because like he wanted to see RoboCop and he was just like, oh, the kid likes superheroes, he'll like this, not knowing that it was like the horrifying level of violence that it is. No, like I say all the time and shit, like you know. Uh, sex and nudity was like off limits. Like, oh, you can't watch that. But RoboCop was perfectly fine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Kenny getting annihilated in the boardroom was perfectly fine for 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 my six year old uh, eyes to to view. But not uh like Sharon Stone's boobs and Basic Instinct. Like that's that's where you drew the line. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, he 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 recorded over. Phantasm for License to Kill, and like I, I have no problem with License to Kill because I very much love License to Kill, the the, the Bond feature. Um, but we only had thirty minutes of Phantasm, and I I watched that those thirty minutes religiously, um, because that was all the Phantasm I had, and this was before like Phantasm became like a franchise. I mean, it's, uh, at at this point, um, like this was before. Uh, uh, part three had come out. Um, so there was only Phantasm one and two, and we had the full length of a uh, Phantasm two. Thank God. Um, so I was able to watch Phantasm two a lot, but uh, my 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 obsession lied with the original Phantasm, and I remember that uh, the Sci Fi Channel had uh, had shown it, and um, I wanted to watch it, but like my parents were having like a get together, and they was like, no. And um, I had to go downstairs to the second floor where my cousin Annie lived uh, with her husband. And Annie wasn't there, but Danny was. And, and I guess he just wanted to, you know, chill. And here I come uh, fucking like, hey, you, you mind if I fucking watch this uh, movie uh, down here? <laughs> and to his credit, he was cool about it. He was like, yeah, sure. And he was like, here's some money. Go to the store, get some snacks and all that stuff. And, and we'll watch it together. And, and, and we did. You know what I'm saying? That was the first time I said scene. The whole thing, but obviously it was cut, you know, say because it was shown on TV. So I, I hadn't seen uh, the full length, you know, uncut version of it until like MGM released it on VHS. Like I want to say 97, 98 was is where I finally was able to watch, you know, Phantasm, you know, unedited, you know, just purely, you know, what I'm saying, 
and uh and of course uh phantasm had many releases after that um most recently the remastered version that was uh um spearheaded by uh jj abrams who was yes. admittedly a big fan of it um and i remember i was going to tweet about that because uh, uh there was a tweet that stated that guillermo del toro um uh based one of uh the monster's designs for uh, pan's labyrinth on the the Australian poster art for Phantasm, you know, with the with the the eyes through the hands, yeah. and it's like, yeah, it was like you know, all these years later, and people were still getting inspired by Phantasm, you know what I'm saying, and like paying tribute to Phantasm, you know what I'm saying, because of course you had J.J. Abrams creating the the character Captain Phasma, uh, because like, well, what was it like? It was, he saw the design, it was like like the the silver sphere from Phantasm. And that's how he named the character Captain Phasma as like a tribute to that, I guess. But yeah, I do think it was funny. I remember like the story, like the reason that the uh, the version that exists now, the 4K remaster, is because um, apparently he called John Cassarelli to ask for a print, and like he's like, well, I mean, I can send you one, but I don't have any good ones. Like there's no good one that exists, and he was like, well, that one that just won't do, and so he basically gave him his access to his entire fucking like playground at bad robot and was just like for as far as i know either for free or for very cheap and it was just like just fucking do the best version of phantasm that can possibly exist right. and like so they did and so like god bless him for that <laughs> no yeah and like the, 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 that goes to show that coscarelli is obviously a, a rad dude um because like he like he has like, you know, people in the industry, like, that just let him rock like that. Because I remember he was uh, uh, making uh, Phantasm Oblivion. And, uh, you know, he was making it on the cheap. Um, and he was asking around for, like, you know, for people to, 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 like, you know, do the makeup effects for it. Because he didn't, because he had relationships with KMB. But, like, he didn't want to ask them because, you know, he was, like, you know, obviously, you know, their major... Uh, uh, makeup effects company, you know what I'm saying? They're obviously too expensive for what I'm trying to do, so I'm not even going to bother to ask. And it, 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 like, it got back. To, no, no, what happened was that because Reggie Bannister has a role in uh, Wishmaster, yes, which can be obviously did the effects for since Robert Kurtzman directed it. And Reggie related that to Greg that, oh, like, you know, um, Don is doing another Phantasm. Oh, yeah, really? He was like, yeah, he's looking for... Because, you know, he, obviously Reggie Bannister is great friends with uh, Don Coscarelli. So he was like, yeah, he's looking for people to do the makeup effects, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you know anybody? And Nicotero was, like, straight up said, tell Don to fucking call me. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, they, they gave him, like, a, a really great, I think, discount on, like, doing makeup effects for... Uh, Phantasm Oblivion. So uh, obviously, Coscarelli is a rad dude and shit. That people would just like, you know, hey, you're fine, dude. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, don't even worry about it. This is on us. You know, what I'm saying, we we got your back. You know, but um, yeah, like, you know, what I'm saying, it, it, Phantasm was one of those movies where it's just like, it, like, like I said, it was an obsession for me. Like almost the same way Nightmare on Elm Street was, where I watched it all the fucking time, like almost like an everyday thing. Um, where, like, I would get, you know, just into a specific movie and I would just want to watch it over and over and over again. And I, I did that with, with, with Phantasm, and I've had 
all its major releases, uh, like you know VHS, uh, DVD, Blu-ray. Um, I, I even got the the the, the Rad Steelbook. I had the fucking the 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 Silver Sphere edition that had all four movies in it. That that was Region B. So I had to get a region free player just to watch <laughs> fucking all the Phantasm movies. Um, it's, it's one of the greatest things. Like I remember uh, when the remastered version came out, I went to the screening and the, which had the the live Q and A at the end and shit uh, because the, that also coincided with the release of uh, the last Phantasm movie, Ravager. Um, but uh, less said about that, the better. Unfortunately, yeah, I, was say. <laughs> I, I like I like the ideas that they incorporated. It just was you know because it wasn't Coscarelli doing it himself. Um, he had passed off the baton to another director who just, um, well, I, think, I, I do think it's hilarious where he's just like, so I did four of these, we're doing the last one, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck was the point? <laughs> like, just don't, just, just don't do it. Just leave the, the fourth one and be the last one. That's fine. Yeah. And, uh, uh in retrospect, they should have left it at four because four was getting to the, to, to the series, but, uh, you know, and like Coscarelli had moved on by yeah. that point. Like, you know, Bubba Hotep, John dies at the end. Um, you know, saying like he had because he had real issues uh maintaining his career after the success of Phantasm. Well, also, he has like a weirdly like I think I posted on Twitter the other day. I was just like, because I was because re- I was watching it for the purposes of this, and it was the first time that I really kind of consciously thought of like the fact that he has had the weirdest fucking career like it's so fucking varied he doesn't get credit for it i don't feel like like everybody kind of thinks of him as a horror guy and i was just like um his first movies before he did uh phantasm were not even in the realm of horror i can't remember the name but like Uh, um, there there was jim the world's greatest yeah and then there was uh, uh kenny and company yeah and they were much more like kind of like they they definitely were they were were nowhere near horror yeah they were were comedies yeah they were like, yeah, and then like, um, then he like does like fucking Beastmaster, um, which like became like before there was memes, there was like the running jokes of like, uh, they they showed Beastmaster so much apparently on TBS and HBO that they were called Hey Beastmasters on and the Beastmaster Station respectively. Yeah. Um, but like, and then like he did like Phantasm Two and Phantasm Three, whatever. Uh, but then he was like doing like fucking Bubba Hotep, which is I mean it's it's in the like orbit of horror because there's I mean it's definitely a monster movie because I mean there's a mummy in it, but like it's also like it's a it's I don't know it's a different thing than like anything he had done with his other horror stuff, and then like John dies at the end is like I don't know what the fuck to like I mean there's definitely there there's it's a comedy it's sci-fi it's horror there's there's a lot going on in that fucking movie, and it's like and he always pulls it off and like it's so it's like i definitely think that he like it's weird he doesn't get enough credit for that yeah he's he's like it's and you 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 make a great point because it's weird how like his career like i mean like he's like it's it's all right now you know because he's really respected but it took a long time for that to come because like all he really had was phantasm that he was noted for you know what I'm saying? To, to the point where he had to return to the franchise because Phantasm was initially supposed to be a one-and-done yeah. thing. Like, you know, I mean, obviously you look at the ending and that's, you know, as final as they come, you know what I'm saying? Which is what he intended. His mother actually was like, ah, you should do more. He was like, no, nah, I got I got better things I want to do. Like, I got this movie, Beastmaster. 
And like, you know, that turned into a clusterfuck for him. Um, like it was taken away from him and shit, uh, by, by the producer. Um, and then the producer, uh, tried to make it to a franchise, you know, with, uh, following it up with the, the classic Beastmaster 2 through the portal of time. Um, to be fair, I am very ashamed to say <laughs> that uh, was the first Beastmaster I saw, uh, when I was a kid, I saw a commercial for it. I was like, that looks amazing. I didn't know there was a first Beastmaster. I was just like, because it came out when I was, how old was I? Like, I was very young. Um, it wasn't, and I didn't have cable, because my dad uh, is very cheap, and um, which I inherited, um, as you know, <laughs> so I want my steel books. Because um, I was like, I'm paying five extra dollars for packaging. What are you, stoned? Um, but um, my dad was very cheap, so we never had, like, cable. So, like, I never experienced Beastmaster when I was a kid. I didn't see Beastmaster until I was a fucking adult. And now that I've seen Beastmaster, obviously I enjoy it more than Beastmaster 2. But for years, I was like, well, Beastmaster 2 is clearly the best one because this movie rules. And then I saw Beastmaster and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is a much better movie. What the fuck was wrong with me? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, there was a Beastmaster 3. The, the guy, yeah, it was it was a, a TV movie, The, the Eye of Braxis. Um, it, it was obviously made as kind of like to, to capitalize on the success of like a Hercules, the legendary journeys, yes. um, the kind of thing. And then they, they essentially went further and did that with the Beastmaster uh, television series, uh, which uh, me and my mother were, 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 were fans of. You know what I'm saying? They would show that like on Sunday afternoons. You know what I'm saying? Like when they would show like those, um, like they do basically TNT shows and shit, but like they were showing it on like syndicated uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? They would show it on Channel 11. They would show like Beastmaster, and then they would show like uh, uh, what was it Earth Final Conflict and yeah. and, and Adventure Inc. Or Nightman. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Relic Hunter. <laughs> Night Nightman is great. Like Nightman. I remember like, Nightman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember it like until four seconds ago, but I do now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Nightman. Like I remember, I was uh, I was doing a rewatch of Nightman, and I was detailing that on uh, um, on Twitter and shit, which Larry was a big fan of. You know, what I'm saying that he texts me and he's like, "I love your, you know, you 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 know your tweets on Nightman because it's such a weird show." You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, like that was supposed to be his big thing. It was essentially like what happened with uh, uh, Raimi and Crime Wave. It's just like, oh, we'll move on. We're going to move on to like something like, you know, that's more about, you know, fitting, you know, something better. And then it didn't pan out. And then uh, Coscarelli uh, then had real trouble getting movies made because he was supposed to do Cujo and uh, he was fired from that. He was supposed to do Silver Bullet and was fired from that. Um, then he did uh, Survival Quest. Um, in 86 and it sat on the shelf and didn't get a release until after phantasm two came out. Um, so he made, he, he shot it in 86 and it didn't come out until 89. Um, and the only reason it got released was because hey, this is the guy that did phantasm two. <laughs> okay. Let, let, let's go. You know what I'm saying? So, and survival quest is, is a pretty cool. Um, uh, uh, little like kind of like a survival kind of like a action film. Um, almost like a remember Whitewater Summer with a uh, yes with uh, Kevin, Kevin Bacon, Bacon. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like that but then like it turns into like you know, almost like a um like a deliverance kind of thing oh shit okay. yeah like where we're like you know it's about like people want like a um like a like you know kind of like a survival thing in the wilderness and shit and Lance Henriksen is there 
uh, teaching them. And but then like you know they meet up with this uh, kind of military uh, group and shit who are, like doing training sessions in the woods. And they come into conflict with them, uh, conflict with them, and like the military group starts hunting them. It's, it's actually a really, really uh, good little little movie. <clears throat> but like that was him trying to like, you know, find other things. And like you know, what happened was that the the the, the guy who became the head of Universal was actually a big horror fan. Well, also the thing I read like um, <laughs> is that like uh, it was I mean it was it was partially I guess that, but it was also that like. They were embarrassed. They didn't have, um, like, well, like they didn't have their own horror franchises. Like when, like, everybody was like blowing up. Like Paramount had like Friday Thirteenth and like New Line had Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And they were like Universal. So they were like the like the Universal monsters. They were like the horror guys. And they didn't have any horror franchises. So they bought stuff like Phantasm and Child's Play. And they were like, yes, no, we got the sequel rights. So those are our franchises. Fuck those other guys. Those are our franchises. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and, and it helped that that was due to the fact that the, the 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 new head of Universal was a big horror guy, so that's how you got like releases like 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 you said like Phantasm two and then uh, Child's Play two and three. Also, um, uh, Raimi coming on with uh, Dark Man and uh, Army of Darkness. But by the time Army of oh, Darkness, yeah, that was came the other out, one, the Evil Dead. Yeah, they got the Evil Dead rights too, which I was just like, yeah, I'm sure that costs you a lot of money. <laughs> the, the, the Evil Dead sequel rights. <laughs> yeah, and, and then when they were making Army of Darkness and shit, they, they, that guy left, and then a new group came in, and, and they were all like, "What the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> so they they essentially like tried to throw Army of Darkness uh, away and shit, and then they sent Phantasm Three straight to video. I mean, I know I got a a, a real limited release. I think it was released like for a week in theaters before it got sent straight to video. Phantasm Three. Um, I did get to see it with Grady Hendrix and Michael Gingold, so I'm, I'm on a big screen in a drive-in, so I'm good. I'm I, I'm happy. I'm having my Phantasm Three big screen experience. Well, I'm very happy for you because I fucking hate Phantasm Three. <laughs> I know you do. I don't, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I remember because 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 Matt just because uh, I tweeted yesterday how I was like we don't talk enough about how Angus Grimm. Uh, was a, an absolute horror icon just as greatly as Robert England was, you know what I'm saying? So, well, speak. I mean, I wouldn't say as much as, but yes, he definitely is. He just I mean, the conversation. I, I mean, I, I'm going to get to that because it, it definitely has a lot to do with, uh, you know, how well regarded the Phantasm franchise is. But Matt was like, oh, man, and I love that franchise, you know what I'm saying? And I went to conventions and I never got to meet him and all that stuff and shit. And I remember saying to Matt because. I did a I did a podcast that shan't that shan't be named, um, w- w- with a guy a former friend who's a fucking asshole. Fuck that guy, um, uh, but <laughs> um, we we did we covered all five Phantasm movies on there, and uh, I was like, oh, Matt came in like, oh, like I, I love I love all the movies, and I was like, not me because I hate three, and and Matt goes Home Alone kid, and I was like. Home Alone Kid. <laughs> I hate that little motherfucker so much. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, uh, I mean, I didn't have to. Like, I did pull one of your numbers where it's just like, where it's a movie that you've seen enough that you could talk about it just off off memory. Mm-hmm. And, and that's Phantasm. I, you know, I, I was watching it last night and I was basically reciting the movie, like the whole thing, just sitting there quoting all the dialogue to myself as I rewatched it. You know what I'm saying? Because why the fuck not? You know what I'm saying? Because I knew every single line, every single moment, you know what I'm saying? Just just perfectly. 
you know, and and I was just noting to that that uh, you know why like because I feel like it's it's respected but not respected enough in in the spectrum of like other horror franchises. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously you got your major ones, like you know you got your Nightmare on Elm Street, you got your Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, like you know we even mentioned like Child's Play. You know Child's Play's guys are still you know they just released the trailer for like season three, uh, mm-hmm. Chucky, didn't they? Um, uh, I know we 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 mentioned recently fucking uh, the the Hellraiser movies, um, where Patrick uh, chided me for buying. Hellraiser 1 and 2 from Arrow because Arrow has a 50% of sale of Barnes & Noble going on. And uh, th- he's, he reminded me that uh, there was a Hellraiser set coming out uh, in October. And he said this to me. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, you know, I had to remind Patrick, this is me you're talking to. And I'm, I'm very much going to buy that edition. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it doesn't matter that I bought Hellraiser 1 and 2. I don't even know why I, buy, I bought 2. Because I don't even like it that much. Yeah, that's um, my thing is like the, the the Halloween or the sorry the uh, Hellraiser franchise. I was like, it's not inconsistent because it's actually very consistent in that like the first everyone is a little bit worse than the one that came before it. <laughs> like I was just like, first one is amazing, and like, the second one, pretty good, third one, eh. and then it just like it just stopped. oh but uh, no 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 you got that wrong on <laughs> Hellraiser three. Hellraiser three is dog shit. <laughs> Absolutely, mean, I don't like it, but I don't hate it. It's just it's fine. Like I don't know. I don't. I oh, don't so do, do do you like it enough to to cover it on the show? I dude, I cover things I don't even like that much. So yes, of but course, the, that's fine. Oh, you would cover it? Uh, then, if then you have an idea? Then yes. No, you're you're covering with somebody else because I'm never discussing <laughs> the movie. I'm not volunteering to do it. I'm just saying, if you had an idea, I would do it. I fucking hate that movie so much. Uh, I, I would rather watch Phantasm 3 than Hellraiser 3. <laughs> That's how much I hate Hellraiser 3. There's a complete other misunderstanding of, of who Pinhead is and, and, and why he works. You know what I'm saying? Uh, which is something I, I don't think... The, like, And it's funny, too, because the later sequels, the direct-to-video ones, like uh, Inferno and, and uh, Hellseeker and Deader and, to a lesser extent, Hellworld. And then, like, you know, you had the... The, the the other two that didn't even have Doug Bradley in it was just there was two without Doug Bradley yeah there was uh, Judgment which I think was the last one and then um, I can't remember the other one and God knows I don't fucking want to and shit because it was <laughs> they, they they were god awful um, it looked like Hellraiser cosplay um, which is essentially what it was it, it, to, to the fact that Doug Bradley did like four director video sequels uh just varying degrees of quality and even he was like nah fuck that i'm not <laughs> i'm not doing that buddy you could forget it cuz like they were the two of those were essentially made to, for dimension to hold on to the rights yes they were ashcans essentially yeah like, yeah in the, in the power lines of comic books yeah like they're just ashcans yeah. how like however what, what i do appreciate the, about the, the ones that Doug Bradley was in it was like it, it it kind of turned the franchise into like a twilight zone thing but with Pinhead as Rod Serling, you know what I'm saying? It's like uh, Pinhead shows up for five minutes at the end to tell you why you're fucked and, ban- and damn, <laughs> damn to hell forever. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I thought that was rad and shit. Like, I mean, not all of them work in Hell World, which has a. I mean, to be uh, fair, that's kind of what he does for the original. Is like he, like, yeah. like he's not there for most of it, and then he comes at the very end. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, uh, I'll just end it here because uh, I, I definitely want to talk Hellraiser, yeah. you know, because I love that movie so much. And that's another important one to me. So I won't say much after that. But um, I will say, though, that Hellworld does have a, a early appearance of Henry Cavill uh, in there pre Superman and he gets his dick sucked in it. So for, if you want to see if you want to see that for curiosity's sake, there it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, young young superman getting his cock sucked at a party while wearing a halloween mask it's it's, it's, it's that's its only redeeming quality <laughs> i'm fine but thank you <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah it's like even like as as you know wild as the hellraiser franchise is you know what i'm saying i, I still feel like it, it's more re- well regarded than the phantasm series you know what I'm saying? For some some reason. You know what I'm saying? I guess because Hellraiser is probably more of a prominent horror icon than uh, the tall man is. Like, you know, when you think of the tall man now, people th- think you're talking about fucking Slender Man. And it's like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, we're not talking about fucking Slender Man. We're talking about the tall man. We're talking about Ingus Grimm and, and, and his the minions, uh, the, the dwarves and shit, and this fucking uh, silver balls. Like, and everybody, most, most people are just like, what? What is that? Like, and I, I, I think that's, you know, I think that's just, that, that kind of sucks because it's like, well, with the exception of three and, you know, five, I, I do think it's, it's, this is a fairly unique and great franchise because, uh, the, the, the thing about Coscarelli that, that's, you know, a good attribute of his is that, He's obviously a creative individual and has wild ideas because who the fuck puts this idea together for a horror movie? Like it's it's a it's a it's a it's a tall guy who fucking robs graves with a bunch of uh, uh, dwarves from Star Wars uh, and Jawas. sends <laughs> yeah the Jawas yeah 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 it shows it shows the level of my uh, Star Wars fandom. <laughs> I can't remember the, the fucking Jawas. <laughs> you're well, you're welcome, Andy. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he he sends the bodies back to his dimension through a d- dimension fork, uh, which is basically just two silver spikes in in the floor, uh, and the, he sends them back so they could be. Squashed down to half size because the gravity is too low in his dimension. You know what I'm saying? So he could use them as slaves. And then he also has these silver spheres that suck your fucking brain out onto the floor. It's like, who the fuck came up with this shit? Also, he turns into a beautiful woman sometimes for reasons. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's it's just a wild collection of ideas, you know what I'm saying, at a time where, you know, like, you look at other horror films of the 70s, you know, Halloween was the year prior to this, um, and then you had Dawn of the Dead, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, you know, the 70s was a great time for horror, and then you, you cap the 70s off with this. This insane fucking collection of ideas for a horror picture, and I know that when Coscarelli say he wrote it, he 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 isolated himself in a cabin in the woods, and uh, it, 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 he he went a little insane himself and shit while he was up there, which is probably why the film turned out the way it did. Um, but it, it's just I thoroughly respect, like you know, what I'm saying, especially when someone comes into the horror genre with just complete 
you know, original ideas, you know what I'm saying? I feel like it should be respected, you know what I'm saying? But, like, uh, good creative original ideas don't always lead to just good execution. And I think that's what helps Phantasm in the end is just that it's not just, you know, a wild collection of insane ideas, but Coscarelli is, you know, adequate filmmaker. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, um, you look at the later films, like particularly Phantasm 2, and it's obviously he's evolved as a director, so it's obviously a better made film. But I feel like with uh, this, you know, even though, like, you know, he was very early in his directorial career, I feel like, you know, this this is a film that that works tremendously and should be better remembered and and I, it's obviously respected but i just feel like it's not as remembered as much as other horror franchises and i think that's a real shame you know i mean my whole thing is it's funny because like i have like the um i could put a different thing with it um because i'm um, speaking of things that, like i like uh was at least aware of first was um i uh had seen like commercials and like posters and stuff for phantasm 2 when I was a kid, and I was like, because I was obsessed with horrors, I was like, oh, that looks cool. I was like, I didn't know what the fuck. It was Phantasm 2. I didn't know what the fuck Phantasm was. But I was like, I don't know, it looks cool. That dude and like his, the, the silver balls, that looks, that looks pretty rad. Um, and um, I definitely didn't see it. And then, like, um, it wasn't until I was probably like, I'm guessing like 20, maybe, uh, maybe 21. Um, that um, I saw it with my brother, the original Phantasm, and I was just like, it was funny because it was like, I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, I was just like, cause like, I literally just didn't get it. It was like, and it was also, I was still like pretty young and not like completely understanding of like what Coscarelli was going for in terms of like the esoteric elements and like the dreaming elements. And so like, I wasn't like, really in tune with that kind of thing and like art stuff because I, I definitely I don't think I even gotten into Lynch at that point because like Lynch was what kind of what got me into like art films yeah and kind of understanding like like how because how, I, like, I remember like when I watched um like Skin Rink with uh Danny like at the end of it she was just like I don't know that I totally got it and I was like it doesn't matter I was like how did it make you feel and she was just like she's like I liked it I was like that's all you need I was like it's, whenever you're yeah. doing with an art film it's all you're going with um, but at this point, I didn't understand it. So, like, for years, I was like, I never, I never said I disliked Phantasm, but I was always just like, I don't understand that movie at all. And, like, I don't really understand why people like it so much. Because um, like, whenever they release any, like, kind of, like, fucking, like, new movie, box set, whatever, people lose their fucking minds. And I was just like, I don't understand. And um, later on, I saw Phantasm 2. And actually, I did really like it. And so, like, I watched the first Phantasm again. And I was just like, yeah, I still don't get this, like, at all. I was just like, I don't understand the point of this. It wasn't until, like, um, I want to say it was, like, either the year before or the year of um, when they did the uh, 4K, um, like, remaster. It might have been the year before. But um, where, like, I watched it, and I was just, like, it finally clicked. And I was just like, oh, like, this is actually awesome. I just never, like, fucking, because it's, like, it's, it's something where you really have to kind of like, because the thing is, I, I always like, I liked Coscarelli because like I liked Cabin, or I liked uh, Bubba Hotep a lot. Um, so like, I definitely was like open to his work, but I just was like, and I liked Phantasm 2, but like I just wasn't getting it. And then like, when I finally kind of like got it, it was just like, we're basically, you, it's a movie that you really have to kind of go, you have to meet it on its level and not like try to like 
if you try to understand it, you're just gonna be disappointed. Because like you're describing the plot, and it's just like it's it sounds insane because they, they don't even try to like. There's no good reason for really any of it. It's just kind of like it's just the movie is this is this is what the movie is, and he right. basically is, so he's presenting it to you and like take it or leave it, and like the whole i the whole thing the, the, all the ideas presented in it of like basically like the relationships between the characters and like it's all. When you pl- when you plug into the idea of it being basically a series of dreams caught on celluloid, yeah, I think that makes it work far better. And I, but I do think it's also probably what kind of holds it back in terms of like as a franchise and as um, like the character of the tall man being in the pantheon is uh, I actually just found out when we were recording this. Apparently today is Angus Grimm's birthday. So happy birthday, Angus. Happy heavenly birthday, Angus Grimm. No um, shit. That's what I just read, yeah. Oh, um, shit. But um, I, it's like, it's, I feel like a lot of people saw it for the same reason that I did, where it's like, it's such a well-regarded movie and a well-regarded series that like, you're just seeing it and you, ex- you have an expectation of what it's going to be. And then you watch it and it's, probably not that like it's probably pretty fucking far from that and i feel like that's probably off-putting um and there are some people like me who will just kind of keep giving because like, i will say the reason i kept giving it chances was because it was a movie that even though i didn't necessarily like have strong like personal feelings for it it's a movie that always stuck with me and like yeah. i always thought of it like it always stayed in my head like the imagery of it just always it's still to this day six in my six in my head um but it's like um, if you aren't expecting that and you don't necessarily want to give it more than one shot, then I feel like it's very easy just to dismiss it and not even bother A, watching it or B, watching any of the sequels and just being like, okay, I did not for me. Yeah. Um, or actually, I guess the people that would say that would just say it sucked and just moved on with their lives. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with them, but that's whatever. Um, but... It, it's like I think the thing about the movie is like, um, as I said, like it's incredibly ballsy, just that it exists. Because you had a guy who I had read. I don't know if you read um, Coscarelli's book, um, but I actually like I because I read True Indie because um, he uh, a couple. It was I want to say it was twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. I think it actually might have been twenty nineteen um, at Comic Con. He was on a panel. It was supposed to be, I guess, him and Rob Zombie, or Rob Zombie dropped out. And so it was him and uh, CM Punk. And so I went for CM Punk. And it was like, during the course of that uh, conversation, I was like, oh, that book sounds cool. And I mean, I was a fan of his. Like, I, like, I think I did think it was funny. Was it like, um, because Punk was on uh, like the, the dais, um, basically the questions we definitely split between Coscarelli and Punk. I mean, they weren't as split as you might think. Like, it wasn't like everybody asking wrestling questions. Uh, even though Coscarelli was, like, apparently down with it. Because God bless that dude. He apparently is a very humble dude. Because, um, like, um, when, like, basically Punk was kind of leading the discussion. But Coscarelli would basically ask him wrestling questions and stuff, too. And he's like, well, I mean, it's like, whatever. He, was, he seems like a really, like, affable guy. Yeah. Uh, which probably is why he's so beloved. Um, but he went from making, like, when he was really young, like, crazy young, he was making these, like, comedies, 
And like then all of a sudden, while still being pretty goddamn young, um, pivots entirely to making Phantasm. Essentially, because um, those were both like I think studio movies, the first two movies he made. And then um well, Phantasm no. Well, what happened was that in Kenny and Company, like his, his film prior to Phantasm, there was a scene where like the 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 the, the main character and his friend go into a haunted house, um, and uh, there was a scene in there where like uh, I guess uh, someone dressed as a monster jumped out uh, at at the characters, and the, the, you know he was sitting in the audience one time, and it was a big you know, jump scare, like, you know, when the scared shit out of the audience. And that's what essentially gave him an idea. Hey, maybe I could d- d- do a, like a horror film now. Like, you know, we'll fill with these jump scares. Because he, he liked, you know, that the, the audience reacted in such a way. You know what I'm saying? And that's what initially gave him the idea to to, to do a horror film. And then he, this motherfucker made the, the, the wildest horror film ever, the Phantasm. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. But, they, but he also did it on a very, like, independent level. Yeah. Where it's like he came from when he was very young in the studio system and then just pivoted to making an indie horror movie in a time that like that. I mean, I guess that was a thing because, I mean, Halloween was also independent. Yeah. But like it was still, I mean, I would imagine a pretty big fucking risk. I know he like he basically borrowed money from his dad to make it. Yeah. And like and then made it. And I don't think a lot of people necessarily I think. okay, I'm guessing a lot of people who like would vibe with it would actually be kind of the um the like midnight movie crowd if you will um because like if you look at movies that were like popular like midnight movies it was stuff that was like okay let's be honest people were probably going to undress um because it was like el topo and like um like a racer head and so like i feel like to those people like phantasm is like catnip like so it's like i definitely feel like over time that probably helps it like boosts its profile to the extent that when like Universal was like embarrassed they didn't have any horror franchises, they got the Phantasm sequel rights and then did Phantasm 2, which I mean didn't do super well, I'm guessing. Um no. but um but yeah, so it's like you just have just the sheer like audacity of John Castrelli being like, so not only am I not going to make a movie that's like my other two movies. I'm going to make a movie that's not even, like, any other fucking... Like, horror movies are popular. I'm make sure there's nothing like any of them. Like, because, like, the thing is, it's, like, 78... Or 79 would have been the year after Halloween and, like, the start of the slasher fucking renaissance. Yeah. And you could argue that, like, um, The Tall Man is a gay, like, part of, like, the pantheon of slasher icons. Um, but, like, he's really not, like, in... Because he's anything, like... That's a, I, I think part of the reason that, like... Um, Angus Grimm and the Tall Man aren't necessarily like as well recognized in that is because like he's not like do, I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't sound like not what I mean but like I would say that like, he's not doing anything but it's not that he's not doing anything it is the things that he's doing are just like creepy and off-putting but they're not like flat out like it's not like Freddy fucking like slashing up motherfuckers or like creating elaborate dreams um, it's not like fucking Jason, like fucking coming at motherfuckers with like sharp implements or Michael Myers for that matter. It's like basically, um, like you said, where it's just like he's essentially just um, creating an army of slaves that are like very small humans that were turned into his slaves. Um, 
in his dimension, uh, and they don't completely really explain any reasoning for that in like in the like the first movie at all. Like, so it's like it's basically all dependent on you as a viewer to like kind of be like whether you vibe with this or you don't. <laughs> yeah, and what, what, what I also think it also uh, hinders its um, uh, profile amongst the the horror crowd is that there's there's a lot of sci-fi in it. And that apparently turns horror fans off is the amount of sci-fi in it because it's you know if you describe it it's it's, you know it's definitely horror but there's a lot of sci-fi in it too like you know the fact that the tall man is an alien from another dimension you know what i'm saying and like as the series goes on the like the fucking part five is just full-on just like multiverse kind of thing you know, full on sci fi, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I and I think that like, you know, they're just like, ah, you know, this is like this is like the fucking alien uh uh thing all over again where it's just like, is it more sci fi or is it more horror? And it's like it's definitely a horror picture, you know what I'm saying? It just has, you know, because uh, it's it's obvious that Coscarelli's a big fan of Dune. Um, because it, it has the like the the the, the fear is the mind killer thing in it. Well, the fear is the killer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like has that moment in it. So it's like, yeah, Cuscarelli definitely was a fan of Dune. Like the the bar is named Dune's Cantina. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and like yeah, like and he always like he's he, he seems to always have this thing like sci-fi and fantasy as well as, as horror. You know what I'm saying? But like. I think that was like really like I mean and it came out the same year as Alien too so it's like you know you had two you know iconic horror films like you know the blend of sci-fi and horror you know what I'm saying which um I mean obviously the, it worked uh, great for uh, Alien. Um, well, it's funny though because like um I would argue they're both um basically in the um, realm of gothic horror. I just feel like um, yeah. it's funny that like somehow um like phantasm doesn't really get as well regarded although i guess that also probably something to do with the fact that like alien was coming in the wake of like star wars so like i feel like the like uh the fact that like there was people who probably did get on to it being gothic horror and that's why they were interested but there was also probably a shitload of people that was like oh more space <laughs> like so it was just like so they were just happy yeah. to have more space and the fact that it was an alien it was like yeah that's fine <laughs> like it's like i don't like it more space we're all set <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, obviously, Alien was the the, the 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 bigger success, but this film was really successful. Um, it made uh, kind of like multiple, multiple times its money back because it was only made for three hundred thousand um, dollars, and it made like quite a bit. You know, say I know I know my father told me that uh, he saw it multiple times in uh, the theater when when he was younger, when it first came out. He was like, you know, like word around the block that this was like the ultimate horror movie. You know, what I'm saying because the the, the you know. I mean, and it's funny too because the most iconic thing about it is like I'm just saying your dad dropped acid. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, he he did not. That, that, that was not his thing. But um, my 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 father was very much uh, on the chibo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, uh, he was smoking reefer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you know that that, that probably led to a, a lot of his enjoyment of this film. But like you know, he he is a really big fan of of, of this movie. Um. And he taped over it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck. You know what I'm They're his tapes that he could do whatever the fuck he wants with them. It's like, all right, dad, you know, no problem. You know, just kind of fucking up my movie watching here. 
like for for years I was sitting there watching just the last thirty minutes of this fucking movie and just like all like 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 the from when uh they were in the antique shop to the end is all okay. we had. Um but uh yeah, like that that's that, that's probably one of the things I, I can think of. But also like I said, Angus Grimm should be more heralded for his his appearance in this movie. And then, you know, and like obviously he did more uh, uh made more appearances in horror films after that. He was in subspecies. Um he was the opening narration for Wishmaster, you know what I'm saying? Like but like even though he is the main antagonist of the film in the series, like he's not the, the most iconic thing of the film. The most iconic thing of the, the film and the series itself is uh the Silver Sphere. Mm-hmm. Um when when people think of Phantasm, I think that's what they, they immediately go to is the Silver Sphere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and it's wild too because the Silver Sphere only appears twice in the movie. Once where it does this thing where it sucks out the, the brain of uh, the caretaker. And then another time where we, we see it briefly and then it's immediately exploded by a shotgun blast from Jody, um, the older brother. Um, I, I will get to Jody in a second because um, I, I feel like uh, he's one of the reasons why, like, you know, I'm saying people don't look upon this, may not look upon it fondly as, 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 as the rest of us do. Especially, especially me, but like, yeah, like you know, I think when they made Phantasm two, they realized that because, uh, like, ever since two going forward, like you look at the cover of any Phantasm movie, and the sphere is front and center. You know what I'm saying? Like they, like they, they know, and like you know, the sphere has become a major part of the franchise afterwards. Like you know, uh, like just like three and four, Sphere City. You know what I'm saying? Like in, in part two and shit, that the, they 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 introduced the golden sphere. Yeah, uh, which is basically like a fucking uh, uh, like a super silver sphere. <laughs> yeah, like uh, what do they call those, those, those fucking um, what do they call those fucking knives and shit that have all the shit in them? Swiss Army knives. Yeah. Okay. It's Swiss Army sphere. Basically, it's got like fucking. It's, it's like a like a like a mini Death Star because it has like what was a, a laser that comes out of it that blows up a a, a giant rat, and, and two, which is great. Um, and, and then it, it goes through doors and shit on the kind of like a like a like a Sam Raimi Force thing from the Evil Dead, <laughs> you know, which is great. But it's just like the way that captured audiences to where it's just like you know when they think of Phantasm, they immediately think of the Sphere. You know what I'm saying, and uh, you know, I I think that also plays into like why the tall man is not as well remembered as a, a horror icon because it's 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 the sphere. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone remembers the sphere. Oh, the the fucking the 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 silver ball that fucking uh, uh, fucking drains your brains and shoots them out on the floor. You know, like oh, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? But um, I don't know. I just you know. I, I don't mind all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't, I don't you know, people was just like, you know, we don't like the sci-fi and our horror, and it's like, yeah, you, well, you're missing out, but, you know. Well, I, mean, I, don't, I don't even feel like it is that sci-fi. Like, it's like, I mean, like, because I also feel like, because, um, like, to be fair, like, I mean, I feel like there's similar, like, it's very, the closest I can actually compare it to um, is, like, Lovecraft. Like, it's very kind of, like, in terms of the way it, like, presents stuff, like the way, it like, um, kind of, like I don't know, the way the the general vibes of it 
are very Lovecraftian to me. Like, cause it's like, again, because like, nothing is explained. Um, so it's all just kind of like, just given to you in like that way of like, I'm going to like take, like, it's like basically the, 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 they don't give you the tall man's plan. They don't tell you like really, all they really give you, the only information they really give you is the tall man apparently has super strength. The tall man is apparently immortal. Um, the tall yeah. man doesn't like cool. Like they only like, give you like the bare minimum of information, um, and which actually, in a lot of ways, I think is actually kind of scary. Plus, also, I think that um, Angus Grimm. It's funny because like, apparently he's like, the sweetest guy in the world, um, but like his portrayal is like so like legitimately creepy that like it definitely like fucking like I don't know. It, it, de- it there's a thing about him that I think that also. Um, sets him apart from the other ones is that like um at a certain point like kind of like jason and freddy and to a great extent michael myers definitely pinhead um kind of became like the heroes of their franchises yeah whereas like tall man like managed to kind of stay consistently not which i think actually speaks to its benefit like I think it's actually like it's it's it speaks to like the power of the character in this performance, Scrim's performance, yeah. is that like it, it's not something that was like co-opted and like just thrown on everything until it became its own piece of iconography. Like, and I think that ultimately makes it um, a big part of what makes it last. Like, cause it's I mean that that's been fucking like decades. And I mean, even though, like, yeah, the like the cult of uh, like the Phantasm fans are more cultish than like, let's say, like Nightmare on Elm Street fans or like Halloween fans or Friday the Thirteenth fans, but like I feel like the, the 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 cult of the Phantasm fans is very fucking passionate and like will eat up whatever. Um, that's why, like, I think um, the, the fact the the reason that I think they will eat up whatever is because like. Delete up five, and I don't like five at all. So, like, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I mentioned the, the character of Judy, and then I wanted to go into like particularly the cast. You know, we we talked about the uh, Angus Grimm, and Angus Grimm is obviously the the, the the best performer in the movie. Um, also, like credit to uh, the the great Reggie Bannister as oh, yes, Reggie. Reggie Bannister, you have to give all the credit because I mean he became as much as uh, Angus Grimm is the face of the franchise. Like, yeah. Reggie Bannister is as as much, if not maybe a little bit more so. Although I do think it's funny, like you mentioned um, the Silver Spears being the like, kind of the most iconic thing, and I was that is fair. Uh, they kind of overshadowed the Tall Man, but also um, to be fair, um, the quadruple shotgun introduced oh, is yeah. like became kind of overshadowed as Reggie at a certain point. So like, I guess just it's a, a theme of the franchise is like the props overshadowing the stars. This is the yeah. props becoming the stars. Yeah. Like, and it's weird too, because like you, you made a great point where you mentioned that, you know, whereas other horror franchises where their icon become essentially their, their mascots become essentially the heroes of their franchise Tall man remained a villain. Like you, you, you never root for the tall man in in these fucking movies. Like you root for Jason, and the Friday Thirteen movies, and, and you know Michael, and, and and Freddy. You know what I'm saying? But uh, tall man, he's just fucking 
asshole throughout the entirety of the franchise, you know. But then, like, but I always find it was like, you know, you have that where your villain remains villainous and is never once cited as a hero. But like, the the, the series has, well, like it establishes the character of Mike as the hero. But by part three, Reggie has become, you know, our our our, our hero. He's essentially becomes the Ash of the Phantasm franchise, where it's like. Like you mentioned, the, the quadruple uh, barrel shotgun is is, is 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 like to Reggie what the chainsaw is to Ash. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like to the point where like they they, they wanted to do I think like a crossover at some point um, because you know Coscarelli and Raimi are, are very good friends to to the point where um, uh, uh, Coscarelli kind of pays tribute to Raimi and Phantasm Two where you. Um, and and one of the uh, cremated uh, uh, bags that they have, like, because you know they're cremating people, because you know the film does center around the the series does center around funeral homes. Uh, shows the caretakers uh, cremating someone, and they're pouring the ashes, and the ashes the the bag is labeled Sam Raimi on it. <laughs> so the, 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 that was, they also pay tribute to RoboCop because one of the graves in a uh, Phantasm Two has Alex Murphy on it. Um, so it's like. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, uh, uh, Coscarelli is a fan of cinema as much as we are in, in perfect movies. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I th- there was one uh, uh, that Roger Avery had written, uh, Phantasms, yep. and, and that was supposed to have Bruce Campbell in it, and it was supposed to be like this epic um, kind of like version of Phantasm and all that stuff, but uh, they weren't getting the money to make that shit, so Coscarelli essentially, you know, uh, with Avery's blessing, took elements from that script and made Phantasm Oblivion. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to Oblivion. Um, I would love to talk about Oblivion, but like that, like as as weird as the franchise started, that one is like really fucking weird, like almost Lynchian in, in, in aspects, yeah. where he, like Coscarelli just goes for it, says fuck it, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, because I, I know that was a a, a thing that uh, was put upon him by. The, the studio where they, they yeah they wanted their own horror franchise but one of the, the stipulations was it had to be linear uh it was like you know because as you mentioned before it was like and that is true I, I, there's one of the things i really love about the original phantasm is that it's very surreal yeah. you know dreamlike in quality and like coscarelli i think does the best of that where he makes it like feel like almost like a dream you know what i'm saying and you know what's real and what's not and um the head of the uh, universal was like, yeah, we want phantasm, but uh, you can't do none of that shit. Everything has to be, you know, noted that this is happening in the real world. And, um, uh, that, that, that went into phantasm three as well, even though like, you know, he had lesser money and shit to, to, to work with and they were sending it straight to video. So by the time he got to oblivion and shit, like, you know, he was doing it independent again and he was like, fuck it. You know, I'm, 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 I'm going back to, 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 to the, to the crazy surreal shit. And you're like, boy, does he, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But like, like that was, that was, that was another thing that, uh, well, I wanted to bring up real quick. Um, I know I said I wanted to get into the cast and shit, but it, it just reminded me of a point I had was that uh, Coscarelli shot a lot of footage for this fucking movie. Um, I think his first cut was over three hours long. Um, and if you look at the the final feature, it's only 89 minutes. Um, so there's like a whole uh, 
hour and a half plus of footage out there. And a lot of it has shown up. Um, there, there's like, I know on the MGM VHS that I was talking about earlier, they had like five minutes of deleted footage in, in at the end of the feature. Um, they showed uh, like what happens to uh, like there's the, a the scene where they go into the, the storage room where they have like uh, the dimension fork and the lights go out and like yeah, everyone gets lost. And there's a scene in there where uh, Reggie and Mike meet up and shit um, in a different room. And that's where Mike gives Reggie the idea to destroy the Dimension Fork, which is which is a scene that, like, you know, in context, is like, yeah, it was it was a good thing you cut this. It's like, oh, you got to get rid of that uh, the, the, the Dimension Portal destroyed or something. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why, why would Mike fucking have that idea? You know what I'm saying? Also, it's like, you know, they obviously allude to it earlier in the movie where Reggie just has, like, you know, a tuning fork. Yeah. Um, and just, like, plays with it for some reason. And it's like, oh, it's foreshadowing that he's going to, you know. But, like, why would he have this just tuning fork for no reason other than just, like, to foreshadow that? He's a that? musician, but, I mean. <laughs> but do musicians do that? Uh, I think they did back in the day. Because, um, like, currently you can just buy a little, like, machine um where you like plug your uh fucking guitar in and it'll like basically like tell you like where like you, you strum it and it'll basically tell you you're at like how far in tune you are and you tune it um whereas back in the day that wasn't a thing it was just like so i don't i don't actually know how a tuning fork works but i know it's something they're supposed to be for um so i'm guessing that was probably a thing if you're a musician in the 70s mm-hmm. the musician that like that, 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 that a tuning fork is probably your best friend is my guess yeah, yeah. So like, I always found that weird. This is like he would just have this tuning fork that that he would just like you know fuck with before, like after he played the guitar, you know, what I'm saying and you know of course uh, uh, Reggie Bannister as well as Bill Thornberry were actual real life musicians. Um, apparently, um, uh, the the role of Jody was not uh, originally written or intended for Bill Thornberry. It was written, I think, was a. Uh, was it? not Jim Harrison? That's the motherfucker who wrote Legends of the Fall. Um, I think Gregory Harrison. Okay. Um, who was in um, uh, uh, Coscarelli's first film, Jim: The World's Greatest? Um, and he passed, so it went to Bill Thornberry. And uh, uh, Bill, Bill Thornberry not being the greatest actor in the world. Um, and I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? But, I don't think he's. I don't think he is bad. Like I was like. I was like. Um... Like, and I don't mean this as an insult, but I feel like A. Michael Baldwin is not a good actor, but, like, he makes up for it with enthusiasm. Um, whereas, like, it's a Thornberry isn't necessarily the greatest actor, but he makes up with it with, like, this kind of a cool factor. Um, where, like, you definitely believe him as, like, the cool older brother, because he definitely, he like, he feels like the cool older brother. So I feel like that helps you, like, that coasts a lot in terms of that. I don't think I don't think Jody's cool at all. I think Jody's a little of a piece of shit. Because, um, like, you know, uh, he's taking care of Mike after their parents died in a car accident. And uh, he, he seems to be consistently annoyed. I mean, well, Mike does follow him around everywhere. So that's got to be annoying. You know, but it's like, you know, when he tells his, uh, his buddy who comes into town, uh, well, returns to town and shit for the friend of their friend, uh, uh, the death of their friend Tommy, who gets killed in the, the opening uh, of the movie. After fucking the tall man is a beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah, the lady in lavender, um, and, and and they're fucking in the cemetery, and and he gets stabbed to death, um, and then like like <laughs> that's such a 
indication that you're in for a mind fuck. Yeah. Because you 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 open the movie, uh, and the two people fucking in a cemetery, and then she stabs him to death. Oh, and then she just morphs into this fucking guy, and then it's just like, and then that's it. And then we, we cut to bright daylight. It's, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> that kind of opening, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a wonderful opening for the movie and shit. But then, um, but like, yeah, Jody's saying like, oh, like, yeah, you know, uh, staying around because I'm taking care of little my brother, but he follows me and it's annoying. So I'm going to send uh, him to live with his aunt and I'm going to fucking move on and play my music. And but he's a, he's, I, I'm going to miss him. And it's like, you, you just basically said you're going to dump him on, on, on your aunt. And, you, know, I, you couldn't miss him that much. You said, I'm getting rid of this little motherfucker. <laughs> and then um, going back to that deleted footage, um, when MGM released their special edition DVD, there was more deleted footage on there, like a wealth of deleted footage, I think like 20 minutes worth, where um, it shows that Jody goes to visit, like, uh, because uh, he mentions later in the movie that uh, he doesn't want Mike involved while they try to take down the tall man, and that he's sending him to, 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 to uh, Sally and Susie at the, the, the antique store. And in the deleted footage, it shows that one of those girls, I think it was Sally, was like Jody's girlfriend. And like he goes to visit her there and like, you know, saying they have like a little romantic session. So that means like so when Jody goes off with the lady in Lavender, he's essentially cheating on his girl with the lady in Lavender and he goes to the fucking cemetery. It was the 70s, Rob. (laughs) Right. And and he was a musician. (laughs) <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah yeah that, that that's totally mu- total musician shit i guess uh, you know what i'm saying to cheat on your girlfriend you know what i'm saying in in, in the most 70s attire ever like <laughs> but um also like uh, when when they do their little musical number him and reggie and he has that fucking stupid ass derby on top of his head <laughs> uh, I, i'm always annoyed by that it's like why the fuck is he wearing this you know, it's, it's 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 annoying um, but yeah, like they also in that deleted footage they show uh uh Mike uh goes to Jody to, to to like to tell him about what he witnessed at the cemetery and Jody's like truly patronizing him. You know, like oh yeah, and then uh, it gets him drunk and then they go to the fucking uh, the ice cream uh, the ice cream shop where Reggie works mm-hmm. and um they get into an ice cream fight where they fucking um, cause Mike to pass out and then they decorate him with fucking ice cream. They even put a banana between his legs and shit. So it looks like, and they put two ice cream scoops and shit. So, like, you know, dick and balls. Yeah, I, I get it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then they sit in there eating the ice cream over him as Mike is passed out on the fucking table with, with ice cream all over him. And it's like, you, you're, you're, you're an asshole to brother, ain't you? Also, when, uh, when Mike is working underneath the car, yeah, and like you know, uh, the fucking the, the jaw was caused the car to collapse on Mike, yeah. and like he sees feet, so he hammers him, and it's Jody's feet. And like there, there's that terrible. I mean, like shout out to Bill Thornberry. He seemed maybe a great guy. So please don't take this wrong way. If you ever listen to us, I doubt it. But that fucking when he gets his foot hit with the hammer, he just goes it's like the worst kind of like piece of acting I've ever seen. It's like my fucking foot, man. And then um, he's telling them like, oh, these things were out in the, in the garage. They were coming to get me. And then he uses the R word to refer to the kid up the street. Uh, you sure it wasn't that the, 
kid Timmy up the street. He said, "No, it was the same thing. Chase man's knife. What are we gonna do?" And and it's like you're crazy, man. You know what I'm saying? Fucking Mike has to bring him a severed finger that moves on its own that and bleeding mustard blood in order to convince Jody that's and he's like, okay, I believe you. And then just tries to get rid of him throughout the rest of the, the, the fucking movie. Like, no, I'm gonna lock you in your room. Uh, and I'm gonna send you off with my girlfriend that I cheat on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like uh, Jody's a real piece of shit in this movie. <laughs> but um like yeah, like yeah, like I said, like the the extra deleted footage showcases probably why Coscarelli cut it because like yeah, I'm making one of my major characters seem like a real fucking douchebag here, you know. But a lot of that deleted footage also ended up in oblivion. You know what I'm saying? Which you know, obviously Coscarelli was going for an alternate, you know, multiverse kind of thing. And I'm just like, dude, shot a lot of fucking footage for this movie. And it's just like, how long was that fucking script? Because I know he was in the cabin for weeks writing it. But, like, how long was that fucking script that you, you, you basically got a three-hour movie out of it? And I know he, like, he, he said that he shot it, like, the, the movie on weekends. Because, you know, that's all they really they, they could afford. So it's like, and he shot it, he started shooting it in 76. And the movie didn't come out until 79. And like there are moments where they had to hide the growth spurt of Michael Baldwin because like, you know, he was like relatively, I think like 12, 13 when they started shooting it. Um, so like there's a scene in the car where they had to bathe it in shadows because it was like a Michael Baldwin was as tall as Bill Thornberry by that point. So they like they had to bathe it in shadows so you couldn't fucking tell. Um, so it's like. He shot a lot of fucking footage for that movie, and I'm like, I'm I'm pretty sure we haven't seen, most, like, we've seen like a good portion of it, but we haven't seen all of it yet. So I, I would like to know just like how much did he did he fucking get out? You know what I'm saying? Like, cause like, I also remember that uh, in the VHS there was an alternate death to uh, the tall man. Like, well, there's because there's like one of three. Um, obviously the one that we see in the movie where they. Uh, have him fall down the mine shaft, which is like the why. Uh, out of all the deaths, that's the wildest one because where the fuck would you get the idea? Of, like, we're gonna have him chase you up this fucking mountain where there's a mine shaft, and hopefully, you get to fucking get him to fall down. And then I'm gonna push these boulders down the hill. Like, how the fuck did he push the boulders down the hill? <laughs> like, like, is is Jody superhuman strength as well? Yes. How the fuck did he get the boulders down the hill and make sure they fell into the fucking hole where the, the mine shaft is to trap the tall man down there forever? Um, but the alternate death is when, which probably would have made the most sense to include since it, you know, it, it tracks back to what we've already established in the movie is that the tall man cannot stand the cold. Yeah. Um, because, uh, like, his dimension is, like, very hot and humid. Like it's got a like a red sky in there, like you know, they don't outright come and say it's Mars and shit. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you know, who knows? Um, so he doesn't like cold, and uh, what happens is that uh, they're 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 going through the the hallway of, of the, the the funeral home, and Mike and Jody, uh, I mean, and they come across a tall man, and Jody is firing the shotgun. It has no effect on tall man, and like. He shoes it away, like he he holds Jody up by his neck, and he says the line that the, they repeat in a uh, Phantasm too. Oh, you think you go to heaven when you die? 
you come to us. And that's when Mike remembers, like, oh, he doesn't like the cold. And he finds a fire extinguisher, and he sprays the tall man with it, and the tall man just goes, ah, and he explodes. Um, you know what I'm saying? Which is great. And it's like, that was probably the one, the death they should have used. Um, but they didn't. Um, and then uh, there's one that they showcase in Oblivion where they, they, I guess they also had a plan where they were going to hang the tall man and shit because... Uh, they, they're chasing them through the woods and shit, and then you see a, a, a noose come out of nowhere and wrap around the tall man's neck, and then fucking Jody drives the 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 the, the cuda, fucking, and then like strangle, basically hangs the tall man, and then leave him there, and then Mike comes back, they leave, and then Mike comes back to talk to him, and was like, oh, cut me down, boy, uh, but you're killing the world. He said, if you cut me down, I'll go away, and I'll never come back. You promise? Yes, you know what I'm saying, and which shows that um, it's a good thing they cut that because it shows Mike's a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> like the hero of your movie's a fucking moron who just believed this fucking uh, into- child, but <laughs> ah, don't fucking give me that. He's 13, <laughs> he should know better. You know what I'm saying? He was able to put together the whole fucking plot and shit about the what the tall man was doing. And then he's gonna sit there and believe him when he says, "Oh, I'll go away if you cut me down. I, I won't. I'll stop my all evil, nefarious things that I'm doing and shit. And I'll just go back to my dimension. And you know, we'll, 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 we'll just call it even. All right, okay, buddy. And then he cuts him down, and immediately Tom is like, "Boy," <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I, like Jesus Christ, Coscarelli, like <laughs> that, like he, he, like he must have, uh, uh. Well, that doesn't make sense. I'll say that Marcus Nispel must come from the Don Coscarelli school of filmmaking uh, for his incessant need to to just shoot, shoot, shoot. Um, that's a, that's a reference to the documentary about the making of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, where um, the 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 cast was clowning Marcus Nispel for his, his just wanting to shoot all the time. You know what I'm saying? We shoot, we shoot. Marcus, the actors are not here. I don't give a fuck. I shoot around them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I guess that was Coscarelli. Like, I'm just going to fucking shoot, shoot, shoot. And it's like, you only had weekends available. And, and you made a, a over three hour, um, three hours of footage and shit. And then you cut it down to... to and you could tell, like, even as the, the movie is fine as is, you could tell, like, you know, there's, there's probably some stuff missing here that, you know. But... but I mean, that, I think that helps with the dreamlike thing of it. Because, like... Um, which again, I mean, like that was the thing that kind of drove me nuts when I was watching it, like when I was younger. But like the thing that I think probably helps it now is just that it's because it's kind of incomprehensible that kind of gets turned into a strength rather than a weakness. Yeah. Where it's like you don't feel like anything is missing because you don't know what the fuck is supposed to be there because nothing is like yeah. cohesive as it is. Yeah, that's 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 the, that's why I like Oblivion a lot because you know what I'm saying it's just like you know, it returns to that whole aesthetic where it's just like, what the fuck is happening here, you know what I'm saying like what's real, what's not, you know what I'm saying what's true, what's false, you know what I'm saying and it's just like it it, it really like Coscarelli I think is is really good at that one of the best at capturing that you know. Uh, I even go so far as saying, you know, as, as good as Lynch himself in capturing like a dreamlike quality, like you know, making it feel like we're we're really watching a dream on celluloid. You know what I'm saying? 
and 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 I think that's that that's really fucking rad. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I uh, I mean, you know, I, I've said as much as I love this movie, but uh, also we our previous episode we talked about uh, New Blood and Carrie, and talked about like the um how we feel about uh like you know final shot jump scares and you know and when discussing carrie i i stated how i felt like carrie is the best out of all of them i mean it was essentially the originator you know so it was it was the first one to really do that in the horror movies follow suit however phantasm has my favorite one um i i love the the the, the final jump scare of phantasm because like you know uh, so they they they, they kill the tall man, but like you realize it was all a dream, and that uh, what really happened was that uh, Jody is the one who passed away in the car accident. I guess the parents are dead too, so Mike Mike has no one but uh, Reggie, and um, have the sweet moment that Mike shares with Reggie. You know what I'm saying? Where he tells him like, you know, like look, I'm gonna take care of you, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm not can't take your brother's place, but. Uh, and I'm gonna take care of you. And you know, so we're gonna we're gonna go hit the road. We're just gonna go out and you know, forget all this. You know what I'm saying? So so you know, get uh get your gear together. It also annoys me that uh going to to, to franchise two a little bit that the the continuity doesn't match there. Um because uh the we're we're eventually gonna talk about Phantasm too. But um the those two moments, like because it begins right after yeah. Phantasm one ends and it doesn't match. <laughs> well, to be fair, it was done years later with a completely different fucking lead actor. So, like, they did their best. <laughs> no, like, like, yeah. Um, but you know, it, it just it just annoys me. Um, like, and oh, I I'm definitely getting into the changing of lead actors because uh, that that is one of my biggest um, uh, things. I, I I you know. I love Phantasm too, but uh, the the changing of lead actors is something that just hasn't doesn't sit right with me ever. I will I will never get get good with that. But um, you know, Mike goes upstairs and he's getting his stuff ready. You know, he's reminiscing about his brother, and then he closes his closet door, and you see the tall man is standing there, and you get that sting that, <laughs> and then like you know like Mike he turns around, sees him reflected in a mirror, and he's like. Ugh! And then Tall Man, that iconic boy, and then the hands come out of the fucking the mirror and uh, pull Mike into the closet, and then you just hear like, and then that hard cut to black, and I cannot tell you how much I I, I love that. Obviously, uh, Robert Shea loved it because uh, he. Tried to copy <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street to to less successful uh, effect. You know what I'm saying? It's like I don't know why they fucking left that in there. That is the one black guy on that fucking masterpiece of a movie. Is that fucking obvious dummy getting sucked into the the the, the 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 little window in the door? And it's like, why would you even try that? The, the ending has already been perfected in Phantasm. And then also uh, credit to a. Michael Baldwin and shit for standing there and allowing this. I mean, obviously, it's candy glass, but it's glass getting shattered centimeters from his face. You know what I'm saying? On both sides of his face and shit, these hands come out. And they did it multiple times, too. Because if you look at, like, they they have behind-the-scenes footage, and you'll see that they did that quite a few times 
and, and Mike Baldwin standing there, you know, all the time and saying, ah, ah, you know, saying they're having this multiple panes of like uh, of glass shattering right next to him. But I, I just, I, I, you know, saying from beginning to end, this is I, I love this movie. You know what I'm saying I, I love that ending. I love the, just the, the wild premise. Uh, you know, it's villain. You know, it's, it's iconic. You know, what I'm saying props, and like they, they they all have like you know, the the every every film has its own thing. You know, what I'm saying you know, we talked about the, the quadruple barrel shotgun and all that stuff, but. It's, it's like the same thing with Evil Dead, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, because like Phantasm 2 is almost like Evil Dead 2 to the originals, uh, Evil Dead, where people was just like, you know, that's the, also similar to Dawn of the Dead, where it's just like, that's everyone's favorite, you know what I'm saying? Um, I, I know uh, I've seen Phantasm 2 compared to not just Evil Dead 2, but also Aliens, you know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, you know, the, the, the body count is much bigger. You know what I'm saying? The the, the, the makeup effect sequences are much more elaborate. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And number three, never assume the, 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 the killer is dead. <laughs> Which is exactly what happens. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so... <laughs> but, like, like, uh, Evil Dead, like, uh, Alien, like, um, Night of the Living Dead, I, I, I'm one that prefers the original over the, the much well-regarded sequel. You know what I'm saying? It's just one that started all. Oh, so it's like, I just, you know, I'm, you know, I know that the, the, the people are just like, what? No, I mean, to be fair, um, I used to be on the side of like, I used to like two better. Um, and I still really like two, but. Oh, um, yeah, 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 most definitely. But um, I now have kind of come swung back in the direction where it's like, I do, I, I feel like they, they serve different purposes and they like scratch different itches. Um, whereas like this one is definitely more esoteric and like once you get on this level, I think it plays very well. Whereas, um, the, uh, second one is much more like straight up, like just as like a fun house horror picture. Yeah. Um, so it's like, they just, they do different things. So like whatever, but, um, I have come, I've swung over to this. I definitely think, um, the original phantasm it's weird that like it's um still kind of as you like it's like, it was like, it was like it's its own thing but it's kind of yeah it's like as you said like it's like it's weirdly kind of like pushed to the side even though it's arguably the best of the series yeah um but um no i definitely think it's definitely better than it gets credit for being and like the franchise at large is more uh interesting than it gets credit for being but, you yeah, know, I definitely think, like, um, if anyone ever had any interest in watching Phantasm, I would, I would definitely say to do it. But I was like, just make sure you, like, go into it. Don't try to get it. Just, like, just go, just, just like, get on its wavelength and just go with it. Because, like, that's the best way, I think, to, like, enjoy it. Because if you try to, like, understand it, you're going to be fucking disappointed. It's, it's, it's got to be, it's, just like, it's a movie that, like, you just let it wash over you. And just like let, because it's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, it's never like super scary, but it's also like this vague feeling of dread throughout it. It just, it's all, it's, it really captures um, the feeling of having a bad dream in a really beautiful way. And it's beautifully, I mean, created. Because I think it's funny, it's like that's the main thing that I noticed when I watched the, uh, the 4K restoration 
it's just how fucking gorgeous of a movie it is. Yeah. And like how beautiful it looks. So yeah, so like I definitely would say like it's it's definitely like yeah, no, it's it's definitely not only important, but I definitely think it's better than it gets kind of regarded as. It's kind of like it's always kind of like, yeah, as you just said, like it's kind of like the evil dead, evil dead two thing. And it's like I feel like in this case it's unfair because it's definitely it's just it's just because it's so different than anything else, that should be regarded, I think, as a strength rather than a weakness. Oh, most definitely, most definitely, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, um, I think that'll do it. Um, uh, I, I can't keep sucking Phantasm's dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I would love to, but uh, you know, we've we've got other shit to do with this point. <laughs> so yes, uh, that, that that will do it for this episode of Chainsaws and Claws. We hope you enjoyed. Um, uh, we have a big announcement to make, in that. Uh, at the end of the episode, you will always hear me and Patrick say that uh, we are on all uh, podcast um, mediums that uh, you listen to. But uh, apparently, we were full of shit because we were not <laughs> we were not on Amazon Music or Audible. But uh, we are now. Um, so wherever we could say now, like I guess with a full. Um, uh, what's the word Unless I'm looking? there's ones that we're unaware of, but I did actually discover this. It's funny because like you, because like, the whole thing of this was that like um, I accidentally discovered it the other day because I was using my Amazon Music, and like I just happened to be like looking up the podcast, and I was like, why aren't we there? And then um, you text you you texted me that you got an email from Amazon. They were like, is this legit? And I was like, oh yeah, no, that's definitely legit because we're not on there. And then, like, so, like, so yeah, like the next day we were like on there now. So yes, so now, as far as I know, we are on all major podcast platforms, all major streaming music or podcast platforms, as far as I know. Yes, uh, we have. We were confident enough to say that uh, we may not be on everyone, but we're on all the major ones: uh, Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, and Audible. So that's really fucking rad. Um, uh, also, we're we're on all all the social medias. Um, I mean, the the ones that still exist by this point. Uh, we're on X. Uh, we're on Threads, and we're on uh, Blue Sky at Chainsaws Claws. Instagram. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. We're on Instagram too. We're on TikTok, but we don't do shit with the TikTok. <laughs> I uh, told you to do things with the TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I have ideas. I just you know just haven't done them yet. But yeah, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and wherever you, you know you're on social media, well, that's not true. We're not on Facebook, no, um, because who cares? Might as well, at a certain point, we might as well. But like, who cares about threads? But like, we're there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny too because I told this motherfucker to follow me on there and shit, and it's like I, I figured that uh, you would do it with chainsaws and clothes because it would make more sense. But you know, he made his uh, his his own account on there, so it's like. Oh, he loves me. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he, he loves me so much. And he's on there twice. Because you know I, I, I should duly note that uh, Patrick is the one who's running all the social media accounts. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying the most one of the most anti-social motherfuckers I've ever met in my <laughs> life and shit, running all our social media. <laughs> Patrick hates people, but he loves. But he runs all. That's a, that's a perfect person to run all the social media. It's the person that's like, I hate people. <laughs> well, no. Here's the thing. I think Patrick's a lot like me. Was that we like people. We just hate humans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
And like that's me in a nutshell, you know what I'm saying? So it's like uh, Patrick I, is, is obviously the same way. So it's like that's you know that's the disclaimer. We like people, we just hate humanity because humanity sucks. <laughs> I mean, I do think well because the whole thing was that you like were like you your exact words were um, for somebody so antisocial. You're really good at social media, so that's why you gave me all the fucking <laughs> platforms because I was already doing the Instagram. Yeah, because like like you were running like half of them, and I was like, dude, I, I ran the Twitter, and you did the Instagram and the TikTok and all that stuff, and then it was just like, you know, obviously he he's better at running this than I am and shit because I'm not doing shit with the Twitter and shit. So there you go, buddy. Have at <laughs> it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right, so every post you see uh, uh, on on uh, uh, on the Twitter is is purely the X. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's purely Patrick. You know what I'm saying? You know, um, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Social media were there, uh, podcast mediums were there. Um, so yes, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will catch you next time. Oh, <laughs>